Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Geek Vibes Heidi ho there, kids! This is your pal, Dane Alves, with another enticing, exciting, amazing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews over said shows uh, of the previous week. The big ones, or what we consider the big ones, or the most bearable ones, or the most that we have time for ones. You know, it's a it's it's a variety of options, but I couldn't do the show without my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, Christopher Patton. Chris, how are you doing, sir? I drank a lot of coffee this morning. Dude, me too. And I uh, got my noon beers out, so I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to talk about wrestling. Uh, it's been a busy week. Lots of good shit coming out. Had to catch up on some New Japan Strong and uh, see our boy Filthy Tom, uh, open weight champion. It's crazy. It's uh, some, some really cool shit happening in the wrestling world. Dane, how is your week going, bud? It is going delightful. Actually, I, I, I kind of had a shitty week. But, you know, it happens. And now I'm on the weekend. And we get to, you know, talk about professional wrestling. And I'm excited. So since I'm excited, since you're excited, since we're in the mood, let's get into some wrestling news. My first wrestling news item, as I pull them up and try to slow everything down. Anyways, there was another documentary, Chris, um, from A&E. We're going to be able to now have, like, spitball two sets of them uh, starting soon, because these will continue. Uh, the first one on A&E was about Austin. Uh, second one that we're about to talk to you about Piper. Macho Man's is going to be this weekend. And then Dark Side of the Ring starts off with their two-parter for Brian Pillman next week. Pretty exciting stuff because I always love learning about professional wrestlers. And the subject of this one in uh, you know specific was one of my favorites, one of your favorites, one of many favorites, one of the greatest heels in the business. I would say one of the most endearing, badass baby faces also. Um, he definitely gets that because I kind of perceived him more like that, um, you know, being born in 85 and whatnot. But just an incredible wrestler, uh, you know, just wiry as hell in the ring and some of the stuff that they went over i did not know like uh you know just going about how he got started he was a boxer uh knowing those type of details and him getting trained by i forgot the gentleman's name he was he looked like the, li- the a living version of popeye uh but incredible it's- i think his labelle was his last name yeah it's labelle it's also where daniel bryan got the labelle lock from so Wow. He's trained, he's trained a bunch of people over the, the years. Fact, the fact that this guy had training with Ronda Rousey is someone more modern, but also Piper, and then partially with Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee, he can all say that he – I mean, that's fucking ridiculous. And I'm sure Bruce and, and Chuck were just trying to diversify their styles, uh, being a martial artist. Uh, and, I mean, this guy apparently was a badass, so just – Piper, I don't think, I mean, you can disagree with me. Uh, I don't think he was ever known for his incredible, you know, grappling skills, but he definitely learned 
the the right side of performing in the ring from this guy. Yeah, so kind of weird. They talk about how he was a really great amateur wrestling wrestler, but then when he gets to LaBelle's to get trained by LaBelle, he's like, he was shit at wrestling, but I think he means he was shit at hooking, like submission. So I'm assuming yeah, he just... Show. He, I, I'm assuming he just went there for training in case someone shot on him in the ring, uh, which probably is similar with Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris, because you have to think if if you get seen in public, right, you don't know who's going to come at you, and your martial arts might not necessarily be the best thing if the guy is like six foot five, three hundred pounds. Uh, I, I know that we can suspend disbelief for the movies, but let's be honest: if, if you have that big of a size advantage, sometimes your martial arts doesn't mean dick all so <laughs> i'm assuming that's where that training came in like being able to hook and break somebody's arm uh that's it, it's just kind of weird how they stated it in the documentary but i'm guessing that's what they were what he was talking about at least yep and um just a lot of his earlier stuff i liked finding out more information and seeing a lot of the great promos that he was doing as a heel and just how it turned all of a sudden into a 1980s uh hair metal band uh bio when it got to like, well, when him and Rick got together, they didn't even go into really many stories. Like, I feel like if it was Dark Side, we would have gotten the story of the two of them getting thrown out of the hotel in Puerto Rico uh, because Roddy, you know, started a fucking riot. And like Rick grabbed a bunch of drinks, turned around and all of a sudden everyone's fighting. He's like, God damn it. And he starts, you know, we, we've heard stories, whether they be over exaggerated or not. It just seemed even they were kind of presenting that him and Flair together was a good time <laughs> to say to say the worst and the least, if that makes sense. Yeah, you have to assume that the promoters broke them up just because they're like, someone's going to die if we keep these two together. <laughs> uh, there's some wild stories out there. There's lots of interviews with Rick talking about Roddy and Roddy talking about his time with Rick. So I would I would definitely recommend checking those out for sure if, if you're – unaware of those and they, and they touch lightly on them but i mean it's 90 minutes to fit in a you know a 30 40 year career of a wrestler so you can only fit so much into the documentary the stuff i really really loved once again with this one the same as the stone cold steve austin documentary is uh his family and yeah. talking about his home life and and who he was as a person because you know as a wrestling fan even if you watch the shoot interviews you don't really get all that you're just getting who they were in the wrestling world. And, and you kind of like, there's some great stuff where they're talking about Roddy, you know, he'd come home, he'd, he'd do all this stuff for his kids and, and just want them to have the best time. But like two or three days later, he's like addicted to, to the road and he's ready to leave. And they, and they also talked about that in the stone cold Steve Austin podcast, a little, or not, the, the episode, I should say not podcast, uh, which I find very interesting. I wonder if that's going to correlate with the Randy documentary. We're going to get. Yeah, that's a good, uh, it's a good question about it. And um, just like, I love the insight and, you know, uh, it, it talked about a lot of the, the big things that happened in the eighties. Once he went to the WWF and uh, everything that happened with the rock and wrestling and the first two WrestleManias and sharing a lot of insight from Hulk Hogan and Mr. T kind of getting their perspectives on him and just really going into detail. And then the sad ending, um, you know, and, the broken down Piper and how in WCW he had to get a hip surgery. And then from that, there would be like little ups, you know, like him being involved with that Hogan Vince match or coming back and, you know, tagging with, with, uh, Ric Flair, but a lot of downs. Then he got bitter. 
and he had a lot to say, uh, specifically about Vince and the WWE, and kind of made men's and, and was on a better path and trying to do podcasting and stand-up comedy and had a tragic uh, passing that we've, you know, way back when it happened. It was actually quite a few years ago. I don't even remember exactly. You know, he passed away, and I was really saddened by watching that interview that happened to him uh, either the day of or a couple of days before he went to sleep and he was going to go to the doctor the next day to find out what was going on. Uh, rambling and not being able to make a full sentence on air. Uh, just sucks that that's, uh, that's the case, and Piper is no longer with us. I think that he would have loved, personally, what's going on in AEW and, uh, you know, just in general for a lot of stuff. And po- He wanted to do a podcast before they were popular, and I think he really could have done some awesome stuff retelling stories the way that Mick does. Uh and kind of doing a stand-up style thing, so fucking sucks, especially for his family. But um, good documentary overall. What what do you think? Closing out. Yeah, I thought it was a really fun documentary. If you don't know the Roddy Piper story, it's worth tuning in. You know, if, if you're a wrestling fan, there's still stuff there for you. There's still meat on the bone. Like if you followed all of Roddy Piper's stories over the year, or have seen him live when he was doing the stand-up gimmick and he's told some of these stories it's still worth watching specifically like i said for the family the aspect of it and uh those interviews with his wife uh i felt so heartbroken every time she talked especially uh when she was talking about the passing of roddy and uh yeah i mean there's just great stuff there they're doing really really good job with these uh interviews the highlight of this for me was greg the hammer valentine talking about the year of the year (laughs) And being really on point. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Imagine so, giving up your hearing partially in an ear for an angle. That's how dedicated <laughs> he was, basically. <laughs> Greg the Hammer Valentine is a slipped-on wrestling gym. Love him so much. And he's also yes. a super, super fucking nice guy if you meet him in person. And he's like Aaron Anderson and the factor that, you know, for some reason he's been the same age for about 50 years of his life. that's true he does look exactly the same also he knows how to stun on people when he showed up at AEW with his chains on in his all black suit looking like he was in that that uh death row photo with tupac and suge great documentary and uh great documentary my wife like i said this is one of her favorites of all time she absolutely loved it there was a lot of stories she didn't know as you know not being as nerdy about wrestling as we are or as geeky about wrestling as we are uh but she absolutely loved it so even if you're just a casual fan it's it's worth checking out for sure all right well let's move on definitely would recommend the documentary and enjoy all the documentaries coming out either on a and e or on um, Vice, the new home of MLW. Uh, let's transition to that actually in a report that's going around and kind of been, uh, kind of been, uh, what the heck, uh, hinted by Court Bauer that some big things were coming. And now it seems that similar, I'm assuming, to their relationship with Evolve, uh, with their relationship with uh, Progress. Um, and also ICW, there might be some type of relationship building uh, between MLW and NXT. Now, the prospect of that's kind of terrifying, because uh, look what happened to the other three 
properties themselves. They kind of merged into WWE, but a lot of factors kind of uh, was regarded as that. MLW themselves as a company, Corp Hours worked for WWE in the past. That's how he, you know, became who he became before starting MLW with someone or with someone like like Dusty and uh, Steve Carino and relaunching it uh, in the early 2000s and kind of took a break from it, made a podcasting thing, and now is the owner of it. So within this, I don't know if it's going to be talent trading. It's all very, very early in the uh, – it's in the middle of, of, of negotiating, apparently. So there's some high sources that are saying this information, and uh, it's interesting that this would be going down. We know that they're on Vice now. They've been building themselves, but they have some really reputable people that could kind of provide uh, some cool stuff maybe on their Evolve show and or on their actual NXT programming. Um, Jacob Fatu was very close to getting signed with WWE, being cousins with uh, Roman Reigns, Jay, and uh, Jimmy Uso. And they just, you know, there's a lot of talent over there. The Von Erichs, uh, Alexander Hammerstone, uh, the list goes on and on. So kind of interesting i don't know exactly what this means chris so love love sending you stuff that's vague as hell so give me uh, um good content uh, back from you with your answer do it damn it <laughs> well the good news is that they're on vice so that means it's not going to be an evolved situation where they just get bought up because they just signed a tv contract so they would have to last out their tv contract unless wwe is going to buy them out of that tv contract i would think um do you think here's my thing do you think triple h and vince were like we need hammerstone and fatu we can do shit with them what do we have to do to trade talent with you guys yeah <laughs> that's that's kind of what it seems like and i'm fine with that like that'd be really awesome fatu coming in and having some matches with the usos and and roman i think that would be great and hammerstone is like a gym that we need to see on national TV way more often. I know you're super high on him, and, and there's a good reason for that. Uh, so I, I think it's interesting, man. It, it also shows that WWE is paying attention to the rest of the wrestling world and how they're trading talent. Everyone always says that Vince is uh, old and stuck in his way, so to speak, but this is a very anti-Vince move. Reminds me kind of uh, ECW. So I would expect well, the, the talent training is, to be like that. The funny thing is, uh, they're, they're saying, and this was, apparently this is Wrestling Observer. I just found out uh, reading more details within the article that kind of is talking about this. But regarding the two of them working together, they want something on the lines for NXT of how Evolve was to a degree, but actually more of an ECW. This is directly from the article itself uh, with during the uh, 1990s with their deal. So... Yeah, it looks like they're, they're trying to do the same thing with Court that they did with Paul during the 90s. So we could see these guys showing up on NXT, NXT Evolve, or maybe even the you know SmackDown or Raw coming out. I just hope they're not jobbers and they associate the fact that they're MLW since we still have the prestige. And let me just also say, if Selena De La Renta gets to get some airtime on USA on any format, that's another person I'd like to see because she's an incredible manager and just talking piece. And she's only like... 22 years old it's ridiculous well what does this mean for someone like filthy tom who's working new japan <laughs> strong mlw under contract with mlw is he gonna show up in the wwe i guess that he could still have i don't know i don't even know how the parameters work with that that's a uh, that's an interesting concept maybe um, you'd have to drop it 
Yeah, I mean, that would be absolutely crazy. And does this lead to maybe New Japan working with WWE? Because, I mean, uh, if you're, if you're going to work with the biggest and the baddest, can you get... I mean, we've talked about it in the past, and I said this is the first thing they should have done when AEW showed up, is build a working relationship. Is that what they're actually going for? Um, by opening it up to MLW, you open up other avenues for these other companies and putting a big star on raw and making them look good. As long as you make them look good, unlike Okada and impact, for instance, <laughs> if you make them look good, I bet new Japan would play ball under this new management they have. So it's uh, all interesting stuff all around. And I agree with you. Uh, Serena would be absolutely fabulous in showing up and, and being invading and that's funny i haven't read the article that you're talking about and i said the ecw thing so Meltzer needs to get off my dick i'll, <laughs> I'll send you the article it's re-reported by uh, wrestling headlines but i'll send it to you right now if you want to read it later on i i saw it literally as we were going on the air and was reading partially of it while i'm saying it live because i'm i'm like that man i'm so professional so you know what are you gonna do well, I mean, I guess that, you know, if, if multiple people are reporting it just based off their thoughts the same way and the ECW thing is coming across and that's how WWE is going to treat it, that makes the most sense. And yep. hopefully they, they don't fuck it up this time. Yeah. They should, they should look at the experience they had the last time and build on it and make it better. Uh, but, you know, it was really cool seeing stuff like Jerry the King Lawler show up in ECW and run down how they're trash wrestlers and shit. So... If we can get some cool stuff like that between MLW and NXT, I'm all game. I would be so fucking hyped to see Kushida or Ciampa show up on Vice TV on an MLW show. That would be fucking It would be crazy, dude. That would be nuts. Yeah. I Well, if it happens, it happens. But I'm excited about the information regardless. Let's move on to another story. Uh, all right. This is another one. You know... S-E Scoops, they have provided in the past stuff that has turned out true and also uh, not true. So just this bare, you know, grain of salt sort of fucking thing. But they've had some pretty good stuff as of lately. I will give them that. Uh, Apparently, there's negotiations with AEW for both Daga, who is the current uh, AAA I believe he's the uh, Latin American champion. So let's uh, let's just d- define this. So the the Mega is their 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 heavyweight championship, if you will, or the IWGP. It's better to compare to uh, because of what is to follow. That's Kenny Omega. He's right now their Mega heavyweight champion. Then there is this belt, which is kind of like their Intercontinental belt, if that makes sense. And then the Cruiserweight is kind of more of the equivalent to light heavyweight of how that's used in New Japan. So that's kind of like their most prestigious belts. So Daga, who is still going to work with AAA, and then apparently his wife, Tessa Blanchard. So this is a negotiation that's going around. I think that it would be a huge positive uh, for AEW if it works out, because both competitors, I've seen Daga a lot in Impact, are, you know, they, they could provide some good stuff. Uh, especially having it like Laredo Kid, but even more so with Daga being able to jump back and forth with AAA. And Tess is a good wrestler. Now, can we get over the hump? Uh, there's some stuff that she would probably need to do that she has put off for a while in talking about it. We've kind of talked about that whole entire thing, beaten to the ground. But uh, how do you feel about this? Do you think it's true? 
could you see this happening? And what are they going to do with Tessa? What, put her, try to put her baby face against Brie when she gets the title? Or Britt, I mean? See, Triple A is in a bad spot regardless because Kenny Omega holds their belt. So all of the leverage goes to the company bringing these other people in because he could just throw that belt in the trash can, similar to what we saw with, uh, God, who was it in WCW, the female champion? She drops the title. Yeah, Medusa. So, I mean, they can do something like that. Like he could start just tossing that belt around all he wanted to if he was going to be a complete dick. So all the leverage goes to them. Um, The thing about Daga and Tessa that's interesting is you have this working relationship with impact and what is don Callis's relationship with tessa because she kind of fucked him over <laughs> you know what i mean like and don Callis is the center focal point of your top storyline in AEW. so while the conversations may be true i would assume don Callis would want tessa to show back up at least for impact and i don't know that that would necessarily be a thing it's 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 definitely interesting to think about, and I'm sure they're talking. Just like I said, Kenny Omega has the title, so they have to be talking to some extent because yep. they're going to want Kenny to drop the fucking thing well, eventually. Not only that, I mean the Lucha Brothers are their tag champions as well. Yeah, well, I mean the Lucha Brothers at least have ties to you know that AAA. organization and AAA and. And a big part of that culture, so I don't think they would be dicks about it, but, like, Kenny Omega's fucking Canadian, and if they piss Don Callis off, and him and Don Callis are boys, he could just be a real dick about dropping that title. So, like I said, all the leverage kind of goes to AEW, and I know people don't want to hear that because they think Tony Khan is the good guy uh, versus Vince McMahon, but hey, business is fucking business, man. Yep. And uh, as Jay-Z would say, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure that if they have, like I said, I think they have all the leverage there. If the conversations are happening, that's great. And hopefully if it goes well and we could see Daga. That would be cool. But I, AEW doesn't have any plans on him dropping that title. They're really building towards him being the belt collector. So it's <laughs> nuts. If you're Triple A, just don't book him on any shows and strip the title and say he failed to defend or failed to show up or something would be better for Triple A. Well, the uh, funny thing is, Tony on the uh, he was on uh, right before he's been doing now uh, advertisement on Busted Open the day of uh, Dynamite, and he was talking about Kenny winning the Impact Belt and. Kenny's going to be mischievous about it, but he's saying that now it's going to be a point where Kenny's going to be. Uh, in his opinion, defending all three of those titles a hell of a lot more often uh, to prove his worth sort of thing. So I don't know if that was in or out of kayfabe, but it sounds like they want him to be appearing on all three platforms to get more exposure to an extent as well. So, uh, But then again, this impact, and I know that you probably didn't get a chance to watch it, They, they the rule that he made with Scott Demore, with Don Callis and him, was that if he didn't make you know at least an appearance and he didn't offend often, if he didn't come to the show at all, he'd be stripped of the title. So he made it right at the end just to fuck up Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan during their match and just cause havoc um, with the Good Brothers, followed by a New Japan tag team uh, who have the Impact uh, ch- titles, uh, Juice Robinson and Fit, uh, Fit Finley's son, uh, David Finley. Uh, breaking it up. It was so weird, Chris, because you had Impact guys, AEW guys, 
New Japan guys all brawling at the end of it, and Kenny stood tall with all the belts, looking like a badass. So, yeah. I don't even remember how we got here. Sorry, I rambled a lot. No, I mean, we got there by talking... We talked about Kenny having all the titles and what that actually means. And if he's got a working relationship with Impact, like I said, the biggest thing with probably Tessa and both Daga is, is Don Callis ready to pull the trigger back on that again? Because like I said, she kind of fucked him over. And all yeah. the negoti- all the negotiation tri- like chips, not trips, all the negotiation chips are in Tony Khan's corner. Because one, he has the most money, he has the biggest TV deal, and he has your fucking champion. So he can kind of do whatever he wants. Uh, and like I said, people are going to probably hate on me for being like, well, Tony's a good guy and he really loves wrestling. Well, Vince at one point in time was a good guy who really loved wrestling. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, like I said, business is business, man. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, Kenny being the belt collector, et cetera, that's negative for AAA. I probably would have already stripped him of the title for not, being consistently there why is your heavyweight belt on another guy on a different product in a different continent and what also i want to know is where the fuck is his title because do they like triple a just hold on to it and just give it to him for the fucking matches because i've only seen it on on uh AEW dark once and that's when it first fucking started so there was some appeal in it and since then he has the tna title the impact title and the aw title with him and no AAA title. It's weird. Well, I mean, bringing in guys from AAA is very smart on AEW's part if they're able to pull it off because it, it's much like the luchadors coming into WCW. Like, if you're able to show that kind of style and highlight it and have the champion there and have those matches, that's amazing for AEW. What I don't understand is, like, how this works for AAA and do American fans actually care about triple a that yeah. much and do, you know, Mexican fans actually care about triple a that much or, or Omega that much. Like, does he move the bar that high when Omega's on a show for their normal no. audience? I feel like eventually um psycho clowns going to come and take that title from him somehow. Uh, Cause he's literally the most popular person they have there. Unless they have, the other you know, choices are Laredo Kid, which is lost twice now, uh, Pentagon and Phoenix. You know, those are kind of the biggest names over there. So I don't know. It's weird. Weird relationship. I wonder if I also wonder if Andrade has signed a contract there because he's doing a match with Alberto Del Rio. I don't want to get too much into the Alberto Ugh. shit because I just don't Ugh. feel like talking about him. But he's doing a match with Alberto, which means he is able to wrestle. If he signs with AAA and they're working out a deal with him and Daga and, and Tessa Blanchard, you know, that could be really good for AEW and Impact in general. Like, Andrade is the guy, not Alberto Del Rio. Just keep him off the TV screen. Look, I know, like, he's not been proven guilty in the court of law, but where there's smoke, there's usually fire in this situation. <laughs> there's some pretty good picture evidence, you know, but... But uh, whatever, he just did some interview where he's being kind of uh, offish about it and, and saying some things that were not necessarily great towards Paige. So I uh, great I, that that makes me that much more happier. People thought that he was going to be since since his size like the next Tito, Tito Santana, and you can say about his in ring style. I thought Tito was a pretty good wrestler, but he was very popular for his time and taller. And actually, from what most people say. Yeah. 
the nicest guy in real life. I feel like he is the anti Tito Santana, is how I feel about Alberto Dario. So, fuck him. Yeah, he seems like he has some personal demons and some other things going on. But Alberto Del Rio as a professional wrestler was pretty good. Like his title run, yes. his feud with Edge. I'll give him that. Um, his run and impact, like all of that stuff was pretty damn good. But uh, as far as a person goes, I don't know that I would necessarily want him on my roster. Just based off what's happened in impact and, and uh, other places that he has wrestled or fought MMA wise, I guess, because he did that. Well, whatever, you know, there's that. But I don't know. It, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Kenny's going to be able to do. I know that I, I think AAA is having problems having uh, events right now uh, is one of them. So they've been doing pay-per-views. Um more often but it's still stretched out so i'd like to see him i'd like to see in the same month kenny omega but here's the thing he's such a heel i don't know if it makes sense but i'd love to see him defend all three titles in like a month's period and win them um or retain them all all three of them but eventually here's the problem and he can call out another champion if he wants to eventually he's got to lose and AEW seems like it would be the last one out of those three that he currently has, but it's not going to hold on to him forever. I mean, Impact's now doing, and I don't think that the winner of this will actually get the title from him, but they're doing a tournament, and the last, like, six people will be involved in a match, and the winner will move on for a title shot. And, and we know for a fact that Chris Bay is going to be in it because he beat um, uh, one of the fucking random guys in... Cousin Diener, I think is his name. But Chris Bay is popular there. They had another match with Zach and um, and Brian Myers. And I believe Zach won. Yeah, Zach Ryder won. Not Zach Ryder. Matt Cardona won. And uh, probably Eddie Edwards is going to be involved in that. Um, I'm assuming Moose is probably going to win. But they're already figuring stuff out. AAA is doing stuff. And Adam Page is climbing the ranks? I, d- I don't know. Christian, I, I have no idea, but they, have they backed themselves in a corner, though, is what I'm saying, Chris. And if they add more titles to it, is it another corner? Like, think about back in the day, you had people like Vader, like Ultima Dragon, people that were that pulled this off. But let's face it, some of the titles were from smaller promotions and stuff like that. Like, not saying that Impact is huge or anything like that, but this is three televised situations uh, I don't know. It's a very weird concept. Well, see, the thing is, AEW is not big enough for this to actually be beneficial to the smaller products. I mean, if you're pulling like a hundred thousand more viewers because Omega is on your product, but your total viewership is three hundred thousand, that's I don't know that that necessarily helps your company. I, maybe I'm crazy about this, but. Like, you're letting this guy carry your title, so you're basically saying the rest of your roster ain't shit, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and and I hate that. But, like, with Vader and Ultimo Dragon, it's more it was more of a territory system. So them, you know, having multiple belts, they were still working all these companies. Uh, what's interesting, when you get into, uh, like, MLW and WWE, like we were talking about earlier... Like, WWE is a huge platform, so if you wanted to do a belt collector, Roman showing up and taking the MLW championship, or Fatu showing up and him winning, 
taking it from his cousin and making that part of the family angle and then building to something with, you know, like Filthy Tom, there's bigger exposure there. I mean, almost two million people watch SmackDown versus, you know, under a million for AEW. So you've got to weigh the benefits of this kind of stuff before you do it. That's why bookers don't like having championships on multiple people. You know, in Japan, like it's a little bit different, especially during the time period of Ultimo Dragon and Vader that we're talking about. Um, I don't know that this necessarily works in modern wrestling. I mean, they're giving it a shot, but I don't know the benefit for AAA or Impact by having Kenny be triple champion. It's good for AEW because that's the primary storyline, but I don't know how, how it helps these smaller companies. With MLW, like having Roman show up on your show, that's a big fucking deal. But that's also Roman versus Kenny Omega. And Roman yeah. is a Roman is a bigger star in America. You guys can fuck get mad at me if you want, but it is what it is. I'm just now salivating at the concept of the you know the tribal chief, the king of 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 wrestling himself, Roman Reigns, going over beating Bobby Lashley, taking that title, going down beating Killian Cross, taking that title, MLW, NXT Evolve, NXT UK. But he can't beat Walter. That's the only thing. He can't beat Walter. That's 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 my that's my that's my fucking limit. Sorry. <laughs> he can he can beat Jacob Fatu, Bobby Lashley, even even Killian Cross, Killer Cross, whatever the fuck, Carrion Cross, and also uh, whoever the fuck's this evolved champion that will eventually come out. But but he cannot beat Walter. Sorry. Then this Walter the- wins all. This is the thing with having a bigger product than the other company and having multiple shows that, well, two shows that do higher ratings, you're more likely to pull something like this off and then working with MLW, I mean, they could easily do a belt collector with Roman Reigns that would overshadow what Omega's doing if they just want to be straight dicks, which we'll see. I mean, Vince does like to be a straight dick, so it's very possible. I'm a show of mine. Uh, Dad, I don't think you should show anyone your dick. Did you find out what happened to uh, Louis C.K.? It was not a good thing at all. Shut up! <laughs> What's Walter's number? Because what you just presented, where Walter is the guy that finally stops Roman, that's a great fucking story. What's his number to get him on the main product? What What's that money look like? Vince, cash out for it, dog. I agree with you. All right, let's move on to the news. Um, fellow Bullet Club member, if this is the Bullet Club that's on AEW and Impact, I don't know. I think they're the elite. I don't remember. But anyways, coming to Impact Wrestling that I'm actually excited about, uh, one of the only guys that, I, or maybe the only guy that's won the Super J Cup twice, two-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champion, um, and also past Junior Heavyweight Champion, um, part of the Bullet Club, like I said, ELP, El Phantasmo, is now coming to Impact Wrestling and going after, well, I guess Josh Alexander at this point, for the X Division Championship. So this will be another person uh, who has been over here, obviously, because of the pandemic. They made New Japan strong over here stateside, and he's someone that's been doing some stuff. So just like uh, Juice and um, Finn, or Finn Juice, or whatever the fuck it's called, He's going to be over there doing some stuff. I can't wait to see a match that I feel is inevitable with him and Ace Austin 
I think they'll have an outstanding match. They have similar personalities, but I'm a big fan of ELP. I've been, um, you know, championing him for a while now. Definitely gives me a lot of X-Pac vibes in a very, very positive way, or just Sean Waltman in general. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in Impact. I'm watching it because there is some good stuff out of it, and now it does involve Kenny and in, in a, in a storyline that's going well, at least they're admitting it on one company than the other. Uh, but either way, you know, I- I'm watching it. So to see him in the X Division tying it up with the likes of Chris Bay, champion Josh Alexander, Ace Austin, TJP, um, you know, and all the other strong X Division uh, members, Willie Mack, uh, I'm looking forward to that. I think that that's pretty cool. So uh, what do you think about ELP coming to Impact Wrestling? It's a huge get. It's a huge get, and he might be the best damn wrestler on their actual roster coming in, maybe outside of Kenny Omega. I'm very high on ELP. He's fucking great. Watching any of that Super J-Cup stuff that he was involved in, absolutely phenomenal wrestler. And like you just named, all those matchups, TJP, um, Rich Swan, if you want to do that. Uh, you got uh, Ace Austin, which is kind of a dream match for me. I want to see those guys work together. This is great for Impact. I'm very high on this. Uh, do you think that maybe he pulls to like get along? Like he sees the good brothers and Kenny and all them, and he's like, hey man, I don't got problems like certain guys within this. If anything, you know, we 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 uh we comrades, if you will. Like do you think he'll try to get in the good graces of the young bucks, uh the good brothers and Kenny Omega? with their rendition of the elite slash bullet club, whatever the fuck they are. It would make sense because he can just grab the X division title and be a good X division champion. If they want him to carry dual belts or something, be their six pack, if you will. Yes. So I, I definitely get the comparison you made with Sean Waltman. I could definitely see them doing that. Here's the other, here's the question though. Juice Robinson was in the fucking bullet club. <laughs> Did they just forget he was a member of the Bullet Club. I don't even. Was he a member of the Bullet Club? I don't remember. They have <laughs> yeah, had so many fucking. He's a member during the time period of Kenny Omega and the the Young Bucks. So I'm pretty sure on this because I think there's a, a G1 match where him and Kenny have to wrestle each other, and that was like one of the big storylines. Is they're both in the Bullet Club. Are you getting mixed up with that other guy that that's kind of like always off to the sidelines? Um, fuck, and I can't remember his name. He's still in the Bullet Club. I will validate, but I'm pretty sure Juice Robinson at one point in time was in the Bullet Club. He may have gotten disbanded. He probably was. There's like a million fucking members in the goddamn thing. But I think he was there during the Kenny Omega, Young Bucks, Marty Scroll, Cody Rhodes era of that Bullet Club. I don't know what happened to him since then because that club has changed up quite a lot and that involves watching a whole fuck of a lot of New Japan. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But I will uh, I will verify this as we move on to the next subject. I'm still now I'm just mad now that I can't remember Chase Owens. That's who I was thinking of. Um they don't really look alike, so I don't think I I think you're right. I don't know. Um but anyways, yeah, I, I definitely think ELP will make a big splash and for the prestigious title, I, pr- I think the X Division is a pretty prestigious title uh, for Impact, you know, with all the people that have held it in the past. Samoa Joe, 
uh, fucking AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels. It goes on and on and on. So I'd like to see him with that title. I am definitely looking forward. Let's talk ratings, Chris, because we have been down on both platforms. Uh, NXT um, was down a bit. Uh, it was at seven th- or 744,000 viewers on uh, USA. Um, not, didn't have a lot of competition, but they were ranked 11 on Cable's uh, top 150. So that's not too bad. That's actually pretty good. Uh, but, you know, within the, the dem- demographic, they had a .22, so not that much. Then we go to AEW, which was pretty down this week. Although they were going against uh, President Joe Biden speaking to Congress. So that definitely could have been something that, uh, you know, hit them a bit. But they were going over a million for two weeks in a row and jumped down to where is the number? Oh, eight hundred and eighty nine thousand this week. So I expect a big increase next week because of the uh, promoting of their blood and guts match. But uh, not 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 the greatest uh, for either one of them. I would probably say it's more of a big hit for AEW since they were over a million the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, they went against the presidential debate, and that's what people are blaming it on, but I would blame it on last week's show not being that great. Not this week's show, but the week before last was kind of just there. Uh, I agree! NXT fans that tuned into that show probably got turned off by that show, if I'm being completely honest. And uh, I was wrong. Juice was not in. He just had a bunch of matches against people of the Bullet Club. I just assumed he was there. Uh, but yeah, no, he was not a member. Can confirm. Well, you know, like I said, there's a million fucking members of of this group, so it's it's definitely easy. I love to see ELP though posing with the Young Bucks, Kenny and uh and Good Brothers, and walking over, even with the X Division Championship on AEW with them would be a lot of fun as well. <laughs> I mean, they are essentially. They're trying to be the NWO, and they're invading both products. That's the storyline in both things. They're invading Impact, and they're invading fucking AEW. So just embrace it, bro. Can we get the King of Swing, Jeff Jarrett, as part of the Bullet Club again? Dude, he's already been it. He's already been in there, man. Remember, he told me. He goes, ah, 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 ah. I've been a part of the Horseman, been a part of the NWO, and I've been a part of the Bullet Club. I was, I was going to bring up the, uh, the – what was the one in AAA that's random with him and Conan? Oh God, mask was it? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett is—he's uh, so great. I wish he would show up. Well, like if he gets fired from WWE for some reason, which I don't wish that on him. I hope he does show up as part of like <laughs> this group invading Impact. That'd be fucking hilarious. Oh, that would be so just coming right back around, sort of storytelling. It just writes itself. All right, let's uh, uh one more one more thing just so we don't forget next uh in a little while and then we'll go over the uh, results of uh, rebellion from Impact. But um, really cool announcement that was announced on Dynamite next week. We have John Moxley uh going against Yuji Nagata uh at Dynamite for the IWGP US Champion, which I forgot fucking existed to be honest with you. I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, so they made, they wanted a U.S. base belt for New Japan Strong, so they made the New Japan Open Weight Championship, put it on Lawler, 
But then I'm like, but isn't that the fucking U.S. championship? Wasn't that the point of it? I forgot it existed. But regardless, it's cool to have Yuji Nagata, a pretty fucking big legend, going against Kenny for this title. Or not Kenny, uh, Moxley for this title. I don't see Moxley losing it. I think it's going to take someone a bit bigger, uh, maybe uh, Minoru Suzuki or, or someone, uh, to take that. But I, I could be wrong. This could be the time where maybe Kenny fucks him over, and then after he loses, they fuck him off. They fuck him off. They fuck him up, and then he's off, you know, with uh, Renee while she has her, you know, her baby, their baby. So I have no idea what's going to happen, but I think it's really cool. New Japan talent, a fucking a legend like Yuji Nagata, who I'm pretty sure has been over here for a while helping Shibata train at the LA Dojo. I could be wrong. They could be flying him in. Uh, but going against fucking the AEW wrestler of John Moxley with the IWGP US Championship in a match on Dynamite. This type of stuff does make, make me excited. It's like everyone's playing with each other and it's just a matter of time before someone fucks each other over. It's great. But until then, what do you think, Chris? <laughs> Why didn't they just drop the title to Kenta? I don't know. Do you think Kenta would have been the perfect person? He's actually a pretty big, relative well name. Him and, and, and Jay are basically essentially the leaders of the Bullet Club. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, they could have just had the Bullet Club screw over Moxley, and that would just be par for the course when he wrestled that match against Kenta on Strong. So I'm just confused on why you wouldn't put it on Kenta, but I, I'm assuming that Moxley is dropping the title here because he's got like one month left before his baby's born, and then he's going to be, you know, doing dad time for at least a month or two months, I would assume, if he's anything like, well, he's not anything like The Miz, but I would assume it would be similar where he's going to take some just time like. off. Uh, take some time off. I mean, I could be wrong because he is a crazy man, but... I would assume he's going to take some time off. And also, this is this belt is just kind of just... The reason you forgot it exists is last time he defended it was against Kenta, which was a couple months ago. But before that, he hadn't defended it in like a year because of COVID. So, uh, it's a weird belt. I mean, I would prefer seeing like Minoru Suzuki win it or something, but Yuji Nagata, that's not, that's not bad. I mean, it's just kind of a their championship anyways, and I don't know, man. Maybe you can move it to someone else once it gets back to Japan or at least on New Japan Strong. You know who I would like to get it, man, honestly, who's also a part of the New Japan roster or the New Japan Strong American roster? Just guess. Filthy Tom Waller. No, I don't I don't know, man. Well, hey, if you wanted to <laughs> unify or have him have both belts, that would be great. I want Tomatonga. I want a match with John Moxley against Tama Tonga for the fucking belt, and Tama to win with some bullshit. Maybe Kenny gets involved, sort of shit. I think that would be awesome. That and then be... afterwards, Tama Tonga, even though Kenny's the reason he wins, he just fucking flicks off Kenny and says, "You're not Bullet Club," and spits at him, and just leaves with the title. That would be absolutely incredible because Tama Tonga has not been high on them using the Bullet Club or the Elite, as they call it, which is just the Bullet Club, if we're being completely yeah. honest. He has been very outspoken about that, so that would be a great interaction. Also, Tama Tonga is a, a great fucking promo when he wants to be. If they let him go unfiltered, that that is. 
but that would be awesome. I love that. I also have no problem with Yuji Nagata just winning because yeah. Kenny fucks over Moxley, which I think is is very plausible, especially if AEW is trying to play ball. Like, look, we're going to have your star beat Moxley on our TV, right? Yeah, man. But you know, for I, everything that we're scared of, it does seem like, for the most part, in interviews and how he just perceives other companies, Tony does want to play ball, so hopefully... I just don't understand why you didn't do it with Kenta when you, <laughs> when you I brought don't know. him in. <laughs> that made the most sense to me, but <laughs> uh, Yuji Nagata, I guess. I don't know, unless they're bringing someone else in down the line, but Moxley's got, like I said, he's, got, he's only got a couple months left before that baby, or a month or two months left before the baby's born, and they got to wrap all this shit up unless he's just going to wrestle through it. Knowing him, I could see that actually happening. Actually, he has the baby in his hand, giving it a nap while he's beating someone up in the ring, you know. But I mean, honestly, Tomatonga, Minoru Suzuki, they got a couple people. Uh, I, dude, filthy Tom Lawler, that would be awesome if he's like, I want that fucking title because I have this title and I want them both. I represent the U.S. and New Japan, motherfucker. I mean, if Don Callis and the Young Bucks want some fucking heat, them like holding Kenny Omega's baby. Somehow backstage would get some fucking John Moxley. Heat. Yeah, just or Johnny John Moxley's baby. Yeah, like if you get like that group just passing around Moxley's baby, not hurting it or anything, just holding it and talking about how cute it is. That's some good heat. <laughs> that's something. But is the world too sensitive for that now? That's the real question. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to find out. But a pretty cool announcement nonetheless, and more interaction breaking down the walls and moving that forbidden door or whatever the fuck the things are that they say. Let's go over rebellion that happened last Sunday. Um, I did like this event. Uh, I really liked the main event. Well, I'm still weird about where they're going with this, especially based on the last episode of impact, but I'll go over the matches, all the totals, give you like a little bit and then I'll send it to my uh, wonderful co-host for his interaction. Or if you want to, you know, if you want to cut in, just let me know on anything, but the matches, I saw the pre-show match. Now, Rosemary and Havoc uh, are, are uh, teaming together in a tag team, and I like that. They beat Kimberly and uh, Susan, uh, who is the alternate personality for Susie and Sue Young. Um, but, uh, yeah, I like them as a tag team. I think they could be very domineering. Josh Alexander ended up winning the X Division Championship Awesome fucking three-way match between him, um, Ace Austin, and TJP. Uh, I was very impressed, man, because you got the technical guy and past collegiate wrestler Josh Alexander. You got the high flyer and Ace Austin, and then TJP that's kind of known for doing both. So they had a pretty good match, and uh, I believe TJP got pinned, which prompted a rematch with Ace Austin and Josh Alexander on Impact Wrestling. That was really fucking good. And Josh Alexander ended up putting him in the uh, ankle lock and winning. I would definitely recommend that match. Violent by Design. We had Diener, uh, Joe Doring, and Rhino. Uh, you know, we didn't know what the hell was going to happen since Eric Young got hurt. He's out for a while, still being their manager. And uh, Big Kaz, W. Morrissey is what he's going by now, based on his actual name, uh, ended up helping win against Chris Sabin, Eddie Edwards. James Storm, and Willie Mack. A lot of great wrestlers and a lot of fun spots, but essentially a spot fest. Brian Myers defeated Matt Cardona. He would get his win back 
uh, on Impact the next week, so they're definitely going for a third. Um, so pretty good grudge match, about 10 minutes. Jordan Grace and Rich, uh, Rachel Ellering, uh, with Jazz in their corner, beat Fire and Flavor and got the Impact Knockout Tag Team Championships. Trey Miguel ended up beating Sammy Callahan in a brutal last-man-standing match. Finn Juice retained their titles for the rematch for the Good Brothers and a pretty damn good match. Um, uh, Deanna Prazo had probably, I would say, the X Division's one of my favorites. This is next, and the main event was my favorite. So this is second to uh, favorite. Deanna Prazo going against Tanel Dashwood. Great technical wrestling match. Very classic-styled, pretty good shit. And Deanna still won, and it looks like someone's going to be coming for her in the form of an old superstar that I don't know her name offhand, but she's from Texas, and she's, I don't know, she's blonde-haired. Chris, is this, is this reminding you of anyone at all? Uh, very is popular. Von, is it a, a Von Eric? <laughs> no, no, it's not Lacey. It's, it's, it's this girl that's, it's, that was called, like, Miss Texas. I don't know. She's she's from like the the late two thousands, two thousand ten ish. Well, well, don't tease us. Just tell us. I don't know what her name is. Uh, <laughs> I just had the results and I forgot that she came out and called out Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, uh I, I I would I need more details than Miss Texas. I have no idea, Doug. I mean, is it uh, the girl that was a Hooters calendar girl? What was her name? Oh, impact. well, I hope so. Uh, it's not Velvet Sky. Is it, Vel- it's, it no. can't be Velvet Sky, right? It's, uh, I'm trying to think of legends. I mean, it's not Gil, it's not Gil Kim. No, I would remember Gil Kim. Yeah. I, so obviously, uh, is it ODB? <laughs> is ODB from Texas? Taylor Wilde. No clue, dude. <laughs> Absolutely no clue. <laughs> Well, that's what they're considering legends nowadays, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Big Cass was definitely the bigger uh, return, I would say. Yeah, He sorry. looked jacked, by the way. I must not have seen this or heard this or read anything about it, but I would never in a million years guess Taylor Wilde because I wouldn't – I mean, I would consider, as far as legends in that company, someone like Velvet Sky, anyone that was in The Beautiful People, Gail Kim, obviously, Mickey James, and then to me – even though she had a short run, Lacey Von Eric, which is when you said Texas, I thought you meant Lacey was coming back because she just did all that stuff. At, she did a bunch of pro, or not promos, but a bunch of interviews and stuff at WrestleMania, which would have been super sick, but um, that's not the case. Before we go into the main event, any uh, any anything to say about anything that I previously just talked about? Put you yes, so I wrote down notes. I wrote down notes as you were going. Uh, Sue Young should just be Sue Young. I don't like the most multiple personality gimmicks. The match itself was fine. Uh, Ace Austin is my favorite person in Impact right now. I think he's fucking great. Yep, that was Incredible. a fun match. Violent by design. Don't care about Big Cass. This match was just kind of average. Like you said, kind of a big spot fest. Brian Myers and Matt Cardona. They just had a fucking good wrestling match. I don't. I don't. Know. Do they don't have know. that? Do they have that Kevin Owens, Sammy uh, Zayn uh, type of chemistry? Because they had another awesome match on Impact. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of. I mean, it just seems like that, right? They know each other so well that they just had a, a good match. But it was just a straight wrestling match, and it was those two, and they're in the middle of the card, and they're not chasing any titles. 
So it was just kind of there, but it was a really good match. Uh, Ellering's daughter, and I'm forgetting her first Rachel. name. She's fucking great. Like her yep. a lot. Um, so I liked that match. And then uh, Finn and Juice retaining, I'm, I'm good with that because you don't need both sets of tag titles traveling between AEW and Impact. So I like the decision on that. And I like uh, I like Juice Robinson a lot. He's grown on me over the years. And um, David Finley's kid, whose name I'm first name I'm blanking on. Uh, I've been impressed with him when I've seen him in New Japan, uh, but I haven't watched as much Impact. Deanna Perrazzo, WWE, go fuck yourself. Why did you release this person? In I don't know, man. She's such a good technical wrestler. Like, she's pulling out holds out of her ass, basically. I have no clue what they didn't see in her. She's an athletic freak, too. Like, they used her in that big spot in the Royal Rumble, and then they never really utilized her to her full potential ever again. It's fucking ridiculous. That's a huge miss for NXT and uh, WWE. I don't, I don't know how they missed on her. She's one well, of my favorites, if not my favorite, on this fucking female roster that they have. I'll tell you that her uh, her persona is kind of annoying, but I'll say very much the same thing for Tanel Dashwood. She was a good dance partner. She's another excellent technical wrestler, and they fucked her when she came back from NXT and tried to do that Emma bullshit uh, with those vignettes right before they fired her. But bad yeah. on them. Yeah, I just don't understand. I mean, they have so much women talent on NXT that uh, in WWE, I'll give them a little bit of a pass. The main roster is just booked poorly, but they have great female wrestlers there. Yep. But Deanna Perrazzo, being as small as she is, I feel like that's something that if I was a, a female child or kid watching the product, I would be super behind her as both an athlete. If you booked her as a babyface like Johnny Gargano in NXT, she could have done huge fucking things. It's just baffling to me that they missed on her so hard. And I'm glad she's doing well in Impact. I really am. I agree. I think she's a good champion. I don't think that uh, one girl, Wild, is going to be taking the belt off first. So I'm wondering who is going to be that person. And I think they'll find that. And I do agree that, especially if Britt Baker gets that title, I'd love to see a champion against champion match between her and her best friend, Britt Baker. I think that would be a kind of fun thing to do. I just hope that at some point we just hear hardcore country and Mickey James comes out and that we get that match. That that's oh god, Mickey James would do absolutely great on this (laughs) roster. Just help out with those girls. Um, all right, so last match, man, excellent match. Kenny Omega, Rich Swan. Uh, this is for all the marbles. Rich putting on the uh, Impact and TNA title which I'm wondering when they're going to unify. They were supposed to do that already, but whatever. It still looks cool. I love the TNA title way more so than the fucking Impact title. i got to be honest with you. A little bit classic on that. But uh, he put those two on, and Kenny put the AEW title. Uh, there was shenanigans, but, I mean, uh, the majority of this fight was great athleticism. Uh, I don't know what when it happened, but apparently Rich suffered a minor concussion. He got his bell rung at some point. Uh, but... Just back and forth. Uh, and, of course, Kenny finally, you know, Rich never had me thinking, I don't think to a full extent, that he was going to get win. Uh, that's what I was wondering if he was going to be able to provide. Uh, but I kind of don't – none of the hope spots really made me think that anything was going to change. And then, you know, of course, we get a couple uh, V-triggers, one wing angel, one, two, three. Kenny Omega is now the – Triple A mega champion 
He is now the AEW World Heavyweight Champion and the Impact World Heavyweight Champion. He's got four belts, and uh, he is a belt collector. So that is it. I am looking forward to the prospect of the tournament that's going to turn into a six-man who's going to go against Kenny, but just also the matchups that Kenny can have. Kenny versus Sammy Callahan is very interesting. Kenny versus uh, Eddie Edwards should be a fucking awesome match based on uh, Eddie's technical abilities. I'm sure that he'll want to go against Rich again, but Moose and him, I think, could have a great match. There's a lot of guys over there. Uh, him and, him and uh, whatchamacallit, Matt Cardona, uh, that I think that Kenny could have some excellent matches with, and I'm uh, looking forward to this. They're definitely acknowledging themselves more so on impact, but they're getting a lot of uh, extra shit to do to kind of add to the story. So it's not as, as it's not as publicized, I would say, on AEW. But it was recorded this week, so maybe next week there will be... i like to see Kenny come out with all the belts on him. I think that that would be a cool thing, visual. So this next week it's going to be live. It's got all the belts. It's had the AEW around his waist because that's his main belt and uh, push it that way. And I will say, too... On Impact, he got a little chance to cut a promo. Uh, the week before that, he cut a long-ass promo. And even though they've been silly, and I don't like that part of it, uh, also on AEW, he's been cutting promos and cutting pretty damn good promos. So hopefully he can build off of that. I like that he's kind of being more stoic and settled and more you know, kind of calming himself down. I don't know if that was a suggestion from Callis or Chris Jericho, to, you know, why don't you kind of like study a little bit the way that Bachwinkle does it and kind of bring that towards your thing? Not saying that he's up there on that level, but I'm saying that he's kind of going a different dynamic than the weird, crazy Kenny who talks like this constantly. La, la, la. Like, no, it's he's trying, it seems. But thank God he has Don Callis because he can cut a fucking promo. But uh, just a weird ending. And it was great actually having more Ronaldo there. I think that it was fun for him to be able to put that notch under his belt, being able to be a part of that setup and with a Kenny Omega match. So I think he actually interacted well. I would use Morrow once in a while to give that big match feel for any of these companies. Uh, he's there probably more willing to do that than sign a contract to be a full-time guy. So I thought that was a cool aspect as well. What do you think about this main event, Chris, in the future for Impact Wrestling from Kenny Omega? Uh <laughs> I'll say this. If you're going to bring in someone to do commentary, why would you not bring in Mike Tanay? He's another one. I'd love to see Mike Tanay come back. Him, I mean, why not him and Taz? Just do like a retro thing. Yeah, like him or Taz or him and Don West. Let's do a full throwback. Whoa. Like, is, is Don West even doing anything anymore? <laughs> he, he used to be selling shit. I used to get those $5 or $15 grab bags with like four shirts in them from TNA, but I haven't seen him in a while. But I mean, like, if you're going to, to me, like, Mauro Ranallo has nothing to do with either of these wrestlers. He may have announced, like, a couple of Rich Swan matches. So him being there was just kind of weird for me. Like, if you're going to bring it, it's like when Jim Ross would do WrestleMania after he kind of retired from announcing for a while and he would come in and do WrestleMania. It felt special because of the connection to the company. For me, Mauro Ranallo is a WWE guy whether he wants to be or not, or more specifically an NXT guy, and you just brought him into your company for like a one-off match with Kenny Omega, like to me, it would make more sense if you brought, you know, Kevin Kelly or Mike Tanay or someone that, you know, has more of a relationship with the actual wrestler involved in the match. He did fine. Uh, He still annoys me as a commentator. He always has. This is not a new thing. 
doesn't have anything to do with his book or or anything. I just never have liked Morrow. Go back and listen to three years of this podcast. Just not a Morrow fan. Um, that being said, this was a good match. The biggest problem I had was the suspension of disbelief, which you already talked about. Rich Swan's just not big enough of a star for me to think that he was ever going to win this title, especially with the odds stacked against him. He doesn't really have any friends. In fact, Moose is trying to kill him actively on their main product. So it's just Rich Swan versus the entire world and never thought that belt was changing hands and no period in the match did I think it was going to change hands. It sucks he got dinged with a concussion. Maybe that hurt it a little bit. Maybe there's going to be one big comeback spot or something that we didn't get to see. Uh, we'll never know that information. But the match itself is good, and I completely agree with you about Kenny Omega. The best thing they could have done for Kenny Omega is give him Don Callis, because Don Callis is a thousand times better of a promo than Kenny Omega. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think I think the thing with Morrow, the aspect of it, he's perceived to not only just be NXT and, and WWE, but pride and boxing. So he's kind of like this, you know, big fight feel type announcer. So in that regard, I agree with you. But if you're going to go back, you might as well bring a legend that has been a part of TNA and Impact beforehand, like a Mike Tanay, like Taz, who they have a relationship. That would be great if they showed up and, you know, uh, D'Lo and um, I forgot the other gentleman's name. They used to be from WWE. If they sat out and let the main event be Taz and Mike Tanay, that would have been awesome. Yeah, it's Matt, Matt, Matt Stryker, right? Matt's a lot better, I think. I'll definitely say this for at least, um, uh, what you call Lucha Underground, when he's not being produced by WWE. Yeah, so he, he's their other lead announcer, though, right? Mike, Matt Stryker, or did he get removed recently? No, that, that, that is him. Why is my Okay. Um, yeah, so the other... The other I guess it just depends on what kind of fans you're trying to draw. If you're trying to draw fans from pride and boxing to watch your product, that's fine. But wouldn't it make more sense to try to get your lapsed fans back by having Mike yeah. Tanay yeah. and Taz do announcing or Mike Tanay and, and Don West? You know who, who, where Mark or Maronella that would work out better is our, you know, our uh, idea scenario that people have kind of been throwing out there. If you want to do like a boxing event. Um, and you had maybe even Samoa Joe and, and CM Punk as the main event or whatever. If you wanted to put him in one of the matches as a commentator, it makes sense because it's got that boxing or you know MMA style feel to it. But yeah, I, I, I agree. It would have been nice, like you said, if it was Don West, Taz, and fucking uh, Mike Tanay in the middle. That would have been fucking fun. That would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, I, and, and there's nothing against Morrow. I know he's got his fans out there. I just never really cared for his commentating style that much. And sometimes when Excalibur starts to step on that line, he reminds me of Morrow, and I'm like, please don't. Yeah. Please, please don't cross the line, bud. Um, when he starts he, talking like this, and oh my god, Kenny Omega! And it, But it, it reminds you of Morrow coming over here, and here comes Kenny Omega. Oh, the feed trigger! You know, that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, he gets wrangled in a lot by Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, as well as Taz on Dark. But otherwise, he would be full out. Like, if he was in NXT, he'd be full out Mario Ronaldo. That would be a very close comparison. It's just not my style of commentating. And, and like I said, if, if they added him to this and probably paid him money to come in, good money to come in. I just, just I would just think that, you know, if, if Tanae wanted to play ball or even Taz would probably be better a better spot 
here, like Taz and, and Matt Stryker and D'Lo or, you know, something relevant to your product. Because like I said, Morrow has no involvement impact that I know of at all or with these two wrestlers that are in this match. I mean, maybe, like I said, maybe he did some Rich Swan matches when he was on Raw or something that I'm unaware of. But like Rich Swan was not booked very well on Raw. So there's just no nostalgia there. And I feel like you're pulling off the like at some point you're booking it towards that to get people to tune in to see that announcer. Yep, I agree. All right, let's move on. That was Rebellion. Pretty good pay-per-view. That kind of covers the the week, if you will, of wrestling for Thursday night because we kind of gone over a little bit of what happened uh, as as far as the show after their major pay-per-view. So let's go in order for the rest of the days. We got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. We're at Monday. Hey, um, Chris. Um, the only thing I care about, I guess, maybe or remember even from Monday Night Raw, is now we have the era of RK Bro, Randy Orton and Matt Riddle as your odd couple tag team. And I have to say, from the stupid shit I saw, it actually made me laugh and made, based on what the fuck both guys have been doing for the last couple months, made me go, you know what? This is going to end up with Randy Orton completely destroying Matt Riddle, but apparently he sees a lot in Matt Riddle personally from what he said. And this might have been part of his idea. So I'm wondering where the fuck this is going. This is the only thing I care about, and that includes their World Heavyweight title picture. Uh, because now it's now Braun Drew and and Bobby, uh, whatever. You know, they, I guess they have no fucking one else. But RK Bro, all I want is time for Matt Riddle to say something stupid to Randy and him give the goddamn it, fuck my life look. And then Matt Riddle to go off on his scooter and then just walking by him is Edge going, nice upgrade, man. Really fucking good job. And like maybe get like nose to nose with him and Randy to fucking just walk off. But uh, yeah, this is uh, Raz Abysmal, three hours. I would rather cover Impact NWA that I would have to pay for to watch and fucking MLW on the show than try to really go into Raw. There, I said it. I don't fucking care. It's my money <laughs> review. Uh, RKO Bro is is great. Or RK was it RK Bro? Wait, wait, how did they I say don't it? know. Yeah. Either way, I enjoy the hell out of this because it's just shades of what he did with Pete Dunne. So it's a repeat of that because Randy Orton's so stoic and <laughs> robotical to some extent. And him being with <laughs> Matt Riddle is great. Now, the one thing I would give them advice on is stop writing so much for Matt Riddle. Just let Matt Riddle be Matt Riddle. He's way better when you just let him kind of do his thing, give him some liner notes or something. I'm not saying go out there and just give him a live mic and let him be fucking crazy. But, uh, you know, don't write so much and don't try to write like you were directing fast times or Ridgemont high or something. Just let him be him. It works way better. So once RKO screws him over, do you think that RVD will come to save him? Cause that's what we really want. <laughs> that would be great. But you know, the, it's kind of like the odd couple or planes and trains and automobiles, like something about these two people being together. It's the Steve Martin, John Candy thing that makes it. Or so the rock and mankind. Yeah, it's it, it just works like something about those two people being in a tag team is fucking hilarious. Uh, and, and mankind was great at that because he also did it with uh, Austin, right? Austin yep. and mankind. That's good. And then also, you know, Kane and, and Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. 
it's a it's a good format i love that the rest of the show that the title picture i'm excited about just because they still have keith lee and if keith lee shows up and gets involved that would be fun if they know how to do it right and that would be a really good big man match and bobby lashley has improved to me immensely and has had yeah. good matches so if he's going to go against braun and drew i'm okay with that it should be fine i mean you hurt drew kind of by having him in that feud with randy for so long and dropping the title picking the title back up we already talked about that and then he just lost at mania so you're like why is he challenging for the title again but i mean the real answer is they don't have anyone next up except for sheamus who already has a belt and lost to drew so you know it's kind of hard to care about that raw tight heavyweight title picture because they've put so many titans out there but they've had bobby lashley beat everybody he's got the brock lesnar syndrome almost and um the other takeaway from this is like where the fuck is aj styles and almost i got excited about their title win and they've been off i know they're coming back next week but two weeks of them not being there sucks and apparently i think it's from what dave said there there's no news that they had anything no COVID, no nothing. So why the fuck do they keep them off for two weeks? I guess they just didn't have dick all for them to do, which makes no sense because that's like your Shawn Michaels Diesel storyline right there. If you're trying to get this almost guy over, uh, you need to start building it now with him and AJ and AJ blaming him for shit, which I'm assuming is where they're going to go. Well, speaking about that, man, let's move over to NXT. You talked about the Diesel Shawn Michaels type concept and what started off NXT was a match with Dakota Kai. She was going against the person that's been calling out Raquel Gonzalez, Mercedes Martinez. And, uh, this is, all right. I gotta say even more so with a lot of the other situations that we've been comparing this with, whether it be Ace Austin with Mad Men Fulton or, you know, MJF with Wardlow or, um, the last one we just talked about with Amis and, and AJ Styles. Dakota Kai's still in there for a reason. And I mean, you have the creative minds that did this whole entire thing. And Kevin Nash is always there and shit like that. Is this going to be eventually Dakota Kai going after Raquel Gonzalez for the title? Is what I'm wondering, Chris. Potentially. Do you think that's, do you think that's a big match for them, though? Do you think that's something that would... Make people want to watch TakeOver. I don't know if Kai would win the title, and Sean never beat Diesel, but I think if they did it correctly and showed slowly throughout the evolution, maybe, you know, I'm talking about six months from now, of her being in, in the corner of what used to be her bodyguard and seeing all this adulation and slowly seeing, like, a turn of her getting sick of her getting so much, you know, she brought her into this sort of thing. If they were to do it, and NXT does a pretty damn good job, I think, well, most of the time with storylines, you could have a good situation like that, and she could still beat Dakota Kai, but I still feel that, like this match in general, I think Dakota Kai is really gifted in the ring. I think she's a pretty damn good worker, and she ended up losing this match, but it was by DQ, you know, because Gonzalez got involved with Martinez, who was talking shit to her and started beating the crap out of her. So that could be also another reasoning of, of small elements of dissension, 
you know, between the two of them. I think that that would be a fun storyline, and at least a good person for Raquel to go through eventually um, with her, because I expect her championship reign to go for a while, basically. Yeah, I agree with you there. It's going to go for a while. I just don't know that people care that much about Dakota Kai, man. She's lost to everybody on that roster. That's a good point. And they have a huge fucking division of women. Yeah, and I mean, they're already building new stars to challenge for the title. So it's... They could definitely do like a one-off, but I mean, like, how big does that breakup have to be? between unless you're going to start giving dakota kai a bunch of wins you would have to build her yeah you're just going to expect her to get stomped out (laughs) in any kind of title match uh but it's wwe so who the fuck knows they might just be like nope dakota kai is really good has one really good match gets a strong win and then here's your nxt pay-per-view they they book weird man it's hard to predict shit with nxt and wwe in general a lot of times yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Well, yes, yeah, so it ended afterwards with them, you know, just basically Raquel Gonzalez destroying Mercedes Martinez uh, and talking trash in Spanish to her. So just uh, interesting what's going to happen there. Next, we had, Mc- um, yeah, Mackenzie Mitchell. She was backstage. She was interviewing Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart and, you know, just talking about the Roberts stone brand and how they're you know trying to go after them and they have all these uh different obstacles in their way obviously the uh the way and whatnot and uh just strange enough you know frankie monet comes up to introduce herself with her dog and she said that uh she had some stuff that she saw that was left for moon and blackheart and they were like flowers and some notes and they were from dexter loomis so both of them were like, this is not for me. This is for you. And then Amber Moon's like, I- I'm married. So this is definitely not for me. So uh, that was it. It's setting up some stuff for later on that we will get to. How'd you like this little segment, Chris? Stupid. You're basing your entire, you're basing your entire fucking show around a joke. It's a, it's a mid card comedy act with Loomis. Like, why are you putting all like Ember Moon, your former NXT champion, into these kind of situations? And then Frankie Monet just debuted. Like when she showed up, I was like, oh, she's going to do something like announce she's going to be part of like Robert's group or something. I thought they were going to do something completely different. And then here comes the flowers and this whole fucking shitty storyline that no one gives a shit about. Does anyone care about this at this point? Other than I it's just... like funny. I just want to see Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis have babies together, okay? <laughs> well, you know what will happen if she gets pregnant. Gene Snicksky will kick her in the face, and then she'll lose the baby. Oh, my That's... God. Because oh. <laughs> it's WWE. <laughs> like, there's no relationship that's ever ended well except Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, which even started terribly because he basically date-raped married her. Uh, <laughs> let's... Things WWE should stay away from relationships because they're fucking terrible at it. And uh, I just don't understand involving so many of your talent into this one storyline. We have now we have Ember Moon involved, right? We have Frankie Monet. We have Johnny Gargano. We have Austin. How many people are involved as just rotating pieces of this fucking comedy storyline? 
It's going to be like Friends, man. It's going to be a television show coming out soon. It's going to be great. Well, I mean, if they're going to make a weird television show with Dexter Loomis, like, uh, let's say, similar to that 60-day fiancé show, if they do something like that, then I'm down. I'll watch that. (laughs) All right, so next, we'll go into the whole entire thing. Basically, there were two segments of the show. Uh, The first half had Cameron Grimes, and he was at... Uh, about to go into a jeweler, saying that he needed to get something for someone very special within his life. And he talked to the jeweler, and basically the person that was special in his life was him! Because he's Cameron Grimes! And, um, you know, he wants, like, the best ring he could possibly get. And he picks out this one that is supposed to be the most expensive, and it's just gaudy as hell, completely in gold and stuff like that. And he takes it out, and he's looking at it, and he's all excited about it. And then you hear, ah, that's a pretty good ring. Not as good as this one. And you see the same styled ring with diamond encrusted everywhere. And who does it belong to? Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man who gets right in his face and does his classic <laughs> that evil cackle that he has. Cameron Grimes going, no! And then that's it for the two segments. I love this. This comedy works for me. I'm sorry. I know that it's just, it's, it's some stuff works, some stuff doesn't. It's all person to person, all opinion, which is something uh, I think wrestling fans need to realize for themselves and commentators on wrestling like myself. Anything, you know, we all have different opinions. Um, sometimes I don't go by that motto, but whatever. For right now, Cameron Grimes, Ted DiBiase, give me a shit ton of this. What do you think, Chris? Well, see, I like this for the opposite reason, because it only involves Cameron Grimes and someone that's not actively part of your roster, really. It's just him and Ted DiBiase. Completely fine with this being a segment, because it doesn't affect anyone else or pull the view away from anyone else. Like with it, like Ember Moon being involved in the Loomis shit, that's dumb because she's Ember fucking Moon. But just like, you know, Cameron Grimes meeting up with like Michael P.S. Hayes or Ted DiBiase in a segment, that's just funny. You know, like, that's fine. I would love, and they probably would never do this if I'm fantasy booking, you know, everybody has a price. You get a ringmaster number two, and he wears a mask, and then at the end of the day, it turns out to be Cameron Grimes. Like, that would be great. Do some wacky shit like that. I want want a third person coming in to fuck with Cameron Grimes, and that is, here comes the money! Shane McMahon. Maybe they could have a bidding war, and, like, the people that are outbidding him are like Shane McMahon and Ted DiBiase and shit. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> JB, just, JBL, Vince McMahon, all of them. Just how did Cameron Grimes come into money? Did they basically just say he won the lotto? Did I miss this? No, no, the, no. He uh, he won off the stock for GameStop because his buddy gave him a. Um, and now he's been like getting into other stuff and like all the stuff that's popular right now in the news. Whether it be those whatever the fucks the VCOs or some, I forgot. But he's on top of everything. Yeah, so he's basically doing like a JBL thing. Okay, that makes sense. I just couldn't remember like how he had money, but I knew he had money because they keep putting him with Ted DiBiase, and everybody has a price, Dane. Everybody. I like right. this. Like I said, I have no problem with comedy if it doesn't affect the rest of your show. But when you have like. The group with Loomis, it affects everyone in in that group. So Candice, Johnny Gargano, Austin Theory, like you're pulling all of them down and now you're adding other people, which 
you don't want them to be part of a comedy angle, especially because one of them's a fucking champion. <laughs> I agree. I definitely agree with you. I don't know, man. All right, well, uh, let's keep on going. Uh, we have the grizzled young veterans, James Drake and Zach Gibson, and they're about to, you know, talk, and they're they're all bitching about shit and how everyone needs to have respect for him, um, how they're past UK champions, blah blah blah. Well, they're interrupted uh, by the guys that they beat, uh, I believe from Tom Foolery, if, if I'm not mistaken. Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher come out, and Thatcher's just destroying the guys on the mic. At one time, they call him, they call Timothy Thatcher Toothless Timmy, where the people that are in there started chanting Toothless Timmy. They, I, I doubt you, Timothy Ch- Thatcher, wanted that as an option, so hopefully that's not a moment where it's like... Um, you suck where now Timothy Thatcher has to have that go on for the rest of his career. But uh, they said that they're to take out them. They're there to take out MSK. You know, they're they're They remember watching um, take over Cardiff within the main events uh, is what Timothy Thatcher said and how they beat, they got beat by uh, Mark Andrews and flash uh, Morgan Webster, you know, chanting to take your shoes off which is a weird UK chant that they do, uh, which pissed them off. And then before they could even react, Ciampa just jumps in, decks Gibson in the face, elbows the other one. Timothy Thatcher starts attacking them, and they destroy them. It looks like these guys are still together. I guess they dropped the Imperium's going after Killian Dane, but they were going after Timothy Thatcher because he was a part of that group at one point. But I think they abandoned that. I don't know. But, uh, you know. This is the tag division that they have. They have uh, both these teams, obviously the champs, um, Legado del Fantasma, and uh, Imperium. So, you know, definitely stacking a, a better tag division. But something about Champa, Champa and Thatcher, man, I think that they're a lot of fun together. And uh, if they have a match with these two first to try to build to get to MSK, I think once again they'll have a badass brawl. This is a, They have similar traits. I'll just say that. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. And also, Timothy Thatcher should just go ahead and embrace the Toothless Timmy. Make it the new Toothless Aggression. Yeah. Come out come out with a shirt that says Toothless toothless Aggression. Like, people used to make fun of Chris Benoit, but if you go out into the ring and you fucking dominate people, uh, then it becomes a chant of love. You know what I mean? And he's yep. that's the style of wrestling he does already, so... Like maybe even call that team toothless aggression. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, you guys can pay me. Send it directly to my PayPal at ChristopherRayPatton at gmail dot com. Uh, anyways, yeah, I like this segment and uh, uh, man, it's just it's Chapa's in such a weird place because he's just he- helping out other people at this point, but he's still so goddamn good. It's ridiculous. Yep. All right. So uh, after this, we had a little vignette. I'll go over the three vignettes coming up so we can just comment on all of them. Uh, but McKenzie is backstage talking to Killing Day and Drake Maverick, uh, asking about their match. Drake doesn't really, uh, you know, trust Killing Day, and he thinks that he's either going to, you know, eventually be able to tag him in and he's just going to ditch out on him, or, you know, he's going to end up beating him up uh, with the other members of Imperium. And there's this, you know, uh, Killian Dane wants him to to trust him and not really and 
you know, all of a sudden Dane says, you, you gotta, or you gotta have faith and walk off. And <laughs> the only good thing about this actually was then all of a sudden Drake was like, wait a minute, did he just quote George Michael? Yes, he did quote George Michael because George Michael's fucking awesome. Okay. Just, just have some freedom, you know, or, or what's, what's it, the other song? It, it, is song? Killian is Killian Dane his father figure? There you go. I'll, maybe he'll be his father figure. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, so we see Zia Lee backstage. She cuts a promo with Boa. Um, that was interesting. And then Swerve Scott, he's in the studio again, just talking shit about uh, Leon Ruff and how he's going to destroy him and end his life next week. And uh, yeah, that was that was the three of those uh, little a- anything to say about those things, Chris. Drake Maverick just now figuring out that Killian Dane is not the best tag partner is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> He's been like the tag team relationship started with him just getting his ass whipped by this guy for like two months straight. Like, how is he just now coming around to this? Uh, I don't I don't know, man. He could be such a star on 205 Live or even as a cruiserweight champion. They brought him back. He had that great promo. He had a good run in that cruiserweight tournament, and then this is where he's relegated now. So whatever. Uh, the rest of the stuff was just fine. Like I, Nothing stands out to me to really talk about, Dane, if I'm being honest. Yep. All right. Well, Tony Storm comes out. She cuts a promo about Zoe Stark. Now she got, you know, usual heel stuff. She... She was lucky. She wants to kick her ass, and she's going to basically make an example out of this Zyda Ramirez girl. And, uh, you know, they have their match. She's dominating a majority of the time, um, you know, just beating her ass. And then at one part, uh, you know, Zoe does come out uh, because she keeps on prolonging, like, actually beating her. And because of the distraction, somehow this girl with one of the worst shooting star presses, I thought she was going to fall on her fucking neck. Um, beat Tony Storm, and I don't really know how to feel about that. I know that we're just going to get these two in a feud. I get that. She was distracted. But should we really have Tony Storm, to me, one of your top females, losing to, even though I like her, Zoe Starks, and now Zeta Ramirez, uh, back-to-back? I don't know if I like that. Chris, what do you think? Uh, They're obviously not very high on... Tony Storm. Maybe they're going to move her back to NXT UK. Well, then they're high. They're fucking high themselves. Not in a good way. On that crack cocaine. But, like, it could be fine if they move her back to NXT uh, NXT UK, though, right? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I guess, yeah. Another match with her, Mako Satomura. I'd be down. Yeah, because, I mean, they need someone there. So, if that's the case, then I don't have a huge problem with it. But, you know, ever since that heel turn, she's kind of an afterthought in this division, which is unfortunate because I thought that she was destined to be an absolute superstar uh, in NXT, and they continue to book her this way. But they're really behind Zoe Starks, man. Uh, I would say in the next six months, she'll be in the title picture for sure. All right, so interesting promo that was in this it wasn't really a promo it was a graphic and it said diamond mine it had two fists that were wrapped up very cm punkish if you will but not obviously cm punk but like i'm assuming what was supposed to be 
like an MMA style thing. But above and below were diamonds, and it's a diamond mine, and it was very, very Diamond Dallas page esque symbol. It was very weird. It's kind of out of nowhere. If you didn't see it, you might have thought it was just some random thing that was on television. But all of a sudden, the promo said several phrases thrive, achieve success, push beyond, pressure makes diamonds, pressure is pressure, train, perform, become, fight, win, repeat. So I don't know what the hell. This has been showing up on NXT social media stuff. Uh, there was one wrestler that's a part of the last class. Don't really know him that well or remember his name, but he, you know, um, retweeted it. So I don't know if that means anything, really. But I don't think a lot of people said, of course, Tessa, um, because, you know, she's cut like a diamond and shit like that. But I, I don't think this is Tessa related. But I'm curious on what superstar they're strapping this gimmick with it's definitely it seems mma themed i'll just put it that way but um i don't know did you notice this chris or is this something honestly with me i missed this completely and then they talked about it on uh tommy dreamer brought it up on um busted open and i had to go back and check it out it was very very short very brief i must have skimmed over this day and if i'm being completely honest man and if I'm trying to think of people that they would bring in that's cut like a diamond uh, or or straight edge. You said similar to CM Punk's. Well, the like, symbol itself, it's it's not it's got it's got his it's got two. You know what? I'll send it to you right now. That'll probably be the best thing to do. Um, so, so right now, just off a hot take, it's Joseph, uh, it's Joey and Joseph Mercury. That's. That's who's coming in. Former members That's of the Street Society. No, I'm kidding. Um, okay, I'm sending it to you right. Look for it. Look for it. Right. Meow. It's sent. That's the symbol that came up on the screen. And then a bunch of words and shit. Uh, like, like I said, like a bunch of phrases. Like, win, blah, blah, blah. Some Kurt Angle type thing. But what is oh, that? Oh, wow. That is just straight the GDP diamond. Uh, yeah, Jake and the then Snake, it's got like <laughs> Jake the Snake Roberts and Scott Hall are going to be in a tag team in NXT. You guys tune in. <laughs> well, whatever it will be, I hope it's a cool superstar. Maybe this is a new person, a new gimmick they're strapping on someone. But like I is said, it, it's got is is it singular or is it a tag team? It looks like a tag team. That that's thing. another question. Could it be a tag team? We don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I, I don't know what Diamond Mind would be, but that's a good tag team name. I'm trying to remember the wrestler that shared this you know, and had, like, a bunch of question marks. Everyone was like, are you going to be that person? But, you know, who knows? <laughs> it's Zack Ryder and Brian Myers. They're coming back, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Crossover with Impact. or Yeah, with Impact. Uh, all right, let's move on. But uh, I thought that was uh, interesting. So, Legal Del Fantasma is backstage. They cut promos to warn Kushida and MSK ahead of tonight's main event. Escobar says Legal Del Fantasma will make a statement tonight. Then they will capture both titles. We see Bronson Reed walking backstage. He uh, stops and sees the NXT North American champion, Dragagano and Candice LeRae staring at him. He stops but keeps on walking. And then Austin Theory pops out and he's like, hey, what are you guys doing here? And uh, he's like, this is where I come in and entrance the ring. So, remember kids austin theory got hit in the head by a hammer apparently and then <laughs> had a match with bronson reed pretty good match uh back and forth 
you know, but because of some bullshit that Johnny kind of caused, Theory lost, and now Bronson Reed once again is the number one contender to go against Johnny Gargano for that title. So we were the options were Austin was going to win and go against Johnny, and how would have that worked out? Or Bronson was going to get a second title shot. Um, I just don't really care about him getting the title anymore. I did a takeover, but I think Johnny's going to retain. I just don't. I don't know about Bronson as the champ. I like him a lot, and I love that he calls. He calls uh, his uh, finisher the splash off the top ropes, uh, the natural disaster, and the tsunami. So that's kind of a cool little nod. But um, I don't know. How, how do you feel about all this? Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, two for the North American Championship, Chris. Chris, are you there? Yes, sir. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so maybe I, I like kind of where they're building this because I'm fine with Bronson Reed being the North American champion because I think it makes it more serious with the, the other storylines they have going on. And you could have Austin Theory technically cost Johnny Gargano the match by being an idiot because apparently, you know, he can get hit, hit in the head with a little hammer. But if Seth Rollins gets hit with a bigger hammer, everything's fine. Is that how is that how wrestling works, Dane? Well, let, let, let's just put it in perspective, okay? There's one hammer that can defeat all of That's a sledgehammer. <laughs> sledgehammer and a to shovel. the stomach. Sledgehammer to the stomach and in a shovel. <laughs> to the head. Sh- shovel yeah. style. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, this just... Are they punishing Austin Theory? <laughs> Is this... Are we almost done with this? I think if they were punishing Austin Theory, he wouldn't be a part of any major storyline, even okay. if we don't like it. You know, <laughs> I don't think where where who's Velveteen Dream? Does he still work for the company? I don't know. Maybe he's the Diamond Mind. <laughs> that will actually piss me off if that's the case. <laughs> well, I mean, he's still on the he's still signed. If you're going to talk about bringing someone in, I mean, it would be him again to some extent. Look, it's. The dream had so much potential to be like a savage or a rock or just an entity by himself that could be such a great, you know, uh, fucking um, sports entertainer. But he was also good in the ring, too, and and understood psychology and selling. But uh, I don't know what the fuck's the point of even trying to keep him anymore. It just even though there's a lot of shady shit involved with that whole entire thing in general. Still, I mean, where has he been? Has he been hiding? Fucking weird. I mean, you could say the same thing about Austin Theory, though, right? Like, I, I thought Austin Theory yeah. was destined for greatness when he showed up in NXT. So uh, now he's a comedy gimmick, so that's fun. But him and him and Johnny Gargano will be a good match. So I'm assuming Bronson Reed will win here, and they'll move on to that because it's they're just kind of a mid card storyline. I, I don't like it bleeding into everything else though on the show. Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano are kind of cancerous to the show because no matter what they're in, it just bleeds into every other fucking segment. So you see them like a bazillion times or the storyline is brought up a bazillion times uh, because of what that group is. And you add the Loomis factor in there. It's just not my fucking cup of tea. And I didn't like MSK and uh, my boy Kushida losing right after they both won the titles here against Legato del Fantasma. I get it. You're trying to get the win back for, for the heel team, but I wasn't a huge fan of that either. But the match itself was really, really great. 
but it's Kushida, so it's going to be good. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to that, but I agree. Um, I don't know, and that was kind of uh, right now we have the little promo with MSK and Kushida going back and forth, riffing off each other, and and Kushida said MS Kushida, and they were like yeah, and then they all high five Mackenzie Mitchell, and she looked terrified, so that was good. Um, <laughs> How can you be terrified by Kushida if he's not wrestling you? He's just such a happy guy. <laughs> I don't know. They got too into it, man. They they started doing chest pumps, and I don't know. I'm just kidding. Uh, next thing, Johnny Gargano isn't happy with Austin Theory. He blames the whole Dexter Loomis uh, thing as being the thing that got him out of his game. Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell blame everything on Amber Moon and Shotzi Blackheart and how Shotzi and, and Amber are trying to get uh, Indy Hartwell's man, and that sets up stuff for later on. Uh, Imperium, Killian Dane, Drake Maverick. Guess who won? Imperium. How did you feel about the match? It was it was fine, but it was what I expected out of this match. Um, I mean, as far as the winner goes, but the match itself in in ring quality and stuff was fine. I mean, it was it was a decent match, probably one of the better ones on the show. Now that I think back about it, yeah, pretty good tag match. We have Pete Dunn backstage with a pre-recorded promo. He says no one is talking about his name. When it comes to opportunities, because he has the whole locker room shook. He talks about beating Kushida and says the NXT Cruiserweight title is his anytime he wants it, if he wants it. He teases going back to take the NXT UK title back or going for the NXT North American champion, Johnny Gargano, or even the NXT champion, Karrion Cross. Dunn says he is the baddest man in NXT and he dares anyone to try and prove him wrong. And uh, I thought that was an awesome promo. I like that he's basically just putting everyone on blast. Like, I have the opportunity, the experience, the whatnot, the, you know, to take on any of you guys for your titles. So I love the confidence. I love Pete Dunne. I thought this was a pretty good segment. How hyped would you be if he came out to the Shook Ones Part 2? That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> I like this promo. I don't like him bringing up the cruiserweight thing because that makes me think they're going to put him in that title picture and I would prefer him to be doing stuff else because I don't think that he weighs 205, dog. I'm going to go ahead and say that Pete Dunne is more than 205. <laughs> Just You're probably right. On how stacked he is, but North American title picture, him and Bronson Reed, let's get it. I'm down for that. Or, you know, him and, and Killian Cross, like, yes. Sure, but I love that he's telling people they're shook because there ain't no such thing as halfway crooks. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, back. Oh, I already talked about the Cameron Grimes conclusion. We had Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart against Robert Strombrand. I mean, this all just finished when Candice Ray and Indy Hartwell just attacked the fuck out of them, just beating their asses everywhere. Uh, you know, back in the ring, the Robert Strome brand, they, they had the titles and they were jumping around like they won the match, even though it never started. So there's just a, putting some heat on the tag team championship match next week with Candice LeRae and D. Hartwell going against Shotzi and Amber. So that was uh, that's what it was. That's what it was, Chris. Yes, uh, Shotzi and uh, the way, I guess. The way has got to be that's right up there with what was the Bailey and Sasha tag team name. <laughs> oh man, I forgot it was so terrible. <laughs> the 
the the boss and hug connection or something. <laughs> the way is kind of there too because it's like, hey, y'all watch the Mandalorian. <laughs> Dude, you guys like watch the Mandalorian? It's, it's cool. It's sick. Uh, that was a fine segment. Like I was already just distracted by the fact that Ember Moon had this other thing with uh, the flowers and shit earlier. So I just didn't. I don't know. I kind of just was like, all right, well, this is here. Like I said, this is what happens when you bleed shit into other shit. Yep. Well, their match is going to be next week, and it was changed to a street fight for the Women's Tag Team Championship. And Leon Ruff and Isaiah Swerve Scott will have a Falls Count Anywhere uh, match on that show as well. Exciting. Yeah, one more thing before before we leave this segment. Uh, How the hell do you get Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon away from each other? Because Shotzi Blackheart should be challenging for the title as what I think is their biggest baby face right now in the company. You make them lose the titles. I mean, that's all you really need to do. But they have that to split. Anyway. Yeah, you could just like fucking they're they're not together for a couple weeks and they just show up by themselves. Who cares? Fuck it. All right. Well, if anyone from NXT is out there listening, have Ember Moon get hurt, sell her knee, which she actually had legitimate problems with. And that's how you split up the tag team. Don't give us like six rematches in a row of the same tag bout. Let's move this fucking story along, please, for the love of God. Because what I'm expecting to happen is they'll do like, they'll drop the titles, then they'll do like three rematches, and then one of these two people will turn on the other. And uh, Ember Moon and Shotzi should both be baby faces. So just do an injury angle instead, please, for the love of God. Yeah, I agree. All right, so we had something good and something veered, which is normal with WWE a lot of times. But we had Adam Cole sitting down with Sports Illustrated, uh, Sports Illustrated, uh, Arash uh, Markazi. And Markazi, you know, just waiting. Adam Cole's just talking on the phone. He mentioned something like, you know, I've, I've been waiting fucking forever for this interview. And Markazi's like, um, you, sir, I've, I've been waiting for you. You've been on the phone. So <laughs> Adam Cole makes a big deal of it. And he talks about the unsanctioned uh, loss with Kyle O'Reilly. Cole, Cole talks about how he's better than the roster, despite being a little roughed up. He also mentions how he didn't want to carry the Undisputed Era when asked about the decision to turn his back on them. As far as he's concerned, they turned on him. Um, uh, Mikazi, or Mark Kazi uh, asks about Kyle O'Reilly, saying that... Sorry, hold on. I'm sorry about that. Oh, man, my, my whole thing just crashed. But anyways, uh, basically, he was insinuating that uh, he didn't need Kyle O'Reilly. He didn't need the 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 members and shit like that of the Undisputed Era. And then he starts talking about Killian Dane. And he's like, you know, he's like, he'll be out of time if I decide to go for him. Just healing it up. Being a complete douchebag, one of my favorite heels in the industry. And then the weird thing happens where they go and I guess Kyle O'Reilly is supposed to be like this new hacker dude because he's watching them from a television. Um, just the whole thing. So I, I didn't really understand that. Um, but what are you going to do? I, I, I guess it's like that robot show. I forgot what the hell is it called. Robot something. One with a dude who played Freddie Mercury. Um, I don't know. It's uh, interesting shit. But I loved Adam Cole's 
promo. I always, if, if I could one day get Adam Cole and MJF in a back and forth promo, no strings attached, that would be, I would die happy, man. What'd you think? I mean, I would really love him and Cesaro in the tag team again if we're just going to be throwing shit out there. <laughs> but uh, this promo was good. I was just very confused by the Kyle O'Reilly stuff and the fact that he made a title shot call out of after almost getting killed by Kyle O'Reilly at the last pay-per-view. So I have no idea where they're going with this. It's pretty interesting, man. I don't know either. Definitely... I'm wondering where they're going to go from this, man. But I don't want to see Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole again. I want to see Adam Cole start going against some big dudes, um, you know, for the title uh, again in the future. I feel like he's supposed to be in the main title picture. So it's interesting. Who could you put him I with mean, outside I of Kyle O'Reilly? From... No, I was just about to say, I kind of want Kyle O'Reilly to do the same thing, though. Like, he should be chasing the title after beating Adam Cole. Like, he beat the hell out of him. I'm just not digging Kyle O'Reilly right now, man. I'm not personally to me. I think he's a great in-ring competitor, but his persona just been kind of cheesy and, I don't know, more heelish than anything. And uh, his size and a lot of other factors. I, I could see Adam taking that fucking belt. I could see him taking the North American belt very easily. Kyle doesn't really give me that same thought process. Maybe the North American, but it just seems like they're turning him into like a Johnny Gargano, but he's sarcastic. Which is fine. I mean, if the end goal is he's going to lose the cross anyways, why not build that out a little bit further instead of doing it directly where he's involved back with Adam Cole immediately? You get what I'm saying? No, no, no. I... I don't want him involved with... I don't know why they're going back to this. I would rather something else completely. I agree with you on that. Yeah, like Kyle O'Reilly going for the title and losing, I have no problem with. I agree with you. I don't think he's... Uh, he just... There's something about his current character that's not a top star. He's he's a great in-ring worker. He always has been a great in-ring worker and has amazing matches. But, like, that's the perfect opponent for Cross. And why are you already involving him back with Adam Cole, who he just killed? That was supposed to be the end of that feud, in my opinion. But now they're kind of cross-involved. Uh, so three-way match for the title for some reason. In, in which they're both going to lose if you do that. You know what I mean? Like, Cross is just going to destroy both of them. I just don't know how this storyline helps either guy, honestly. But Adam Cole is just so great that it's not going to matter. And uh, the, uh, the Cesaro reference goes back to the Ring of Honor days. They were tag team partners, so... Kyle and Cesaro or uh, Adam and Cesaro? Adam Cole and Cesaro or Claudio Castanoli. Good stuff. Watch uh, the first episode of Ring of Honor ever televised with Jim Cornette as the booker. They were the tag team champions, I believe, and lose. That's fucking nuts. All right, so our main event. Um, Yeah, Kushida, MSK going against their opposers. Uh, The one that Kushida just beat, um, you know, with uh, Santos Escobar and the rest of uh, Legado del Fantasma with Raul Mendoza and DJZ. Um, pretty good match. I agree with you, though, Chris. I do not think that the heels should have won, but they're trying to build up their fuge, I guess. Uh, you know, they did some heelish stuff. But one thing I will say, MSK, Wesley is incredible at selling 
just really good when it comes to getting his ass kicked, basically, but making it look great and just with the comeback. Um, we got to see uh, the other member also kind of show that at first, but he stood out and Raul Mendoza stood out as guys that you probably wouldn't if you're you're if you're watching mostly Santos Escobar and Kushida. Raul is so fucking good, man. I've been saying that since I saw him in 205 Live uh, way before this gimmick. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong. Uh, Joaquin Wilde is as well, DJZ. But, uh, you know, I throughout this match, I was seeing a lot of cool stuff and watching a lot of, uh, you know, Lee and also, like I said, Mendoza. So uh, good match. Weird outcome. What do you think for the main event, Chris? Same thing, good match, weird outcome, like you said, and, and the stuff I already commented on earlier. I want MSK on the main roster, so if they drop these titles quick and move up, it's fine. Because I, I really want to see them go against like Street Profits or The New Day. Like, I think that that's a money-ass team on the main roster. And the tag division is so thin, like, even if they overcome the odds with... Uh, Mendoza's group, which I'm blanking on the name of, even if they overcome the odds and they continue to hold the titles for whatever reason, there's no one else for them there except for Imperium. Yep. So you might as well move them to the main roster. The NXT tag titles are dead until they can breathe some more life into the NXT tag division. Uh, And they're a tag team that doesn't need to just sit there for very long. I think MSK is like raw ready. Just send it. They're, they're so good, and there's so much good stuff they could do with the New Day, like I said, the New Day specifically, but AJ and Almost, there's a lot of cool matchups there on the main roster, or even sending them to SmackDown, like I said, with the Street Profits and, and the tag division over there. I, I, there's better matchups there. There's no need for three sets of tag belts in WWE, because the tag division is already very thin. It's way easier to pay attention to the tag division if you unify those titles and have it defended on three different brands and put all of those tag teams in the same division. Um, same thing with the women's tag titles. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I would I would wish that they would do that. I, I I just don't think they're listening. I think they're listening to us because duh. But I don't think the creative people over there are the non-creative people over there that are in creative are listening to us enough, Chris, fortunately. I mean, they should just list out the tag teams on their roster. If you have under 10 tag teams, you don't need three sets of belts. And I, I can only count maybe 10 tag teams in the entire roster across three brands. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? Like, it's it, at some point, it's just math. Like, the tag titles mean nothing if you're only going to face the same team every week. Because you're just going to be swapping them back and forth. And it worked with the Usos in the New Day because they're the fucking Usos in the New Day and they have great matches with each other and they're both great promos. But that's not going to work for every tag team that you have out there. You need to put them in a division, much like you had like in the 90s, where you had this great tag division. Make one great tag division with, you know, you know eight to ten good-ass tag teams. You know, like, I, I don't understand why that's such a baffling concept. I think they need to get Mosh and Thrasher back, man. I think we need the headbangers to return. But they need to be bringing in as many tag teams as possible with fucking three sets of belts. 
That's for sure. So why not bring Washington Thrasher back and have them challenge for the belts? If you want to give Bronson Reed a run with the NXT North American Championship, I would say one cool concept maybe after that happens, uh, if you're not putting him in the main title picture, putting him and Killian Dane together as like a new natural disaster style team would be fucking awesome. I think, personally. Well, I mean, I guess we got you got Team RK Bro, so there's at least one other tag team. But like, Dane, try to list off the tag teams in your name. You have Imperium, you have Drake and Kill, uh, Killian Dane, right? That's a tag team. You have the New Day. You have Grizzled uh, Young Veterans. Grizzled Young Vets. So that's Toothless, four. Toothless Timmy and Champa. Okay, that's five. AJ have, and Amos. Okay, that's six. Uh, I guess Legato del uh, del Fantasma's group. Seven. Seven. Street Profits. Okay, that's eight. And then Imperium. Do you count them? I get okay. I'll count tag champions. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you kind of got in that regard. (laughs) Do you do do you count them? They weren't even on uh, Mania. You know who Uh, I don't count? How about? (laughs) How about Otis and fucking Chad Gable? God, could you imagine there is a world where where Chad Gable got let go from all that bullshit and he's in a domineering tag team with Josh Alexander? Ugh, <sighs> fuck. So, all right, so count it all together. I think we have 10 or 11 tag teams. There's with- less than 15 in all of them. Let's just <laughs> yes. put it that way. There's, and there's, there's three definitely less than 15 in all of them. With three sets of belts. <laughs> The women's like, one is even more pathetic, dude. On all of them, <laughs> they have yeah, they have two sets of belts and like two actual tag teams. Tag teams. So Dane, your uh, your headphones are popping out there, bud. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, you're fine. All right, well, let's move on. I agree with you, man. I completely agree with you. But we should start going over AEW. The next show on Wednesday, uh, this started with a match with Hangman Page and Brian Cage. And we said that maybe Christian Cage and Nick Gage will all show up in the party afterwards. And it'll be a great time. Anyways, Hangman Page, Brian Cage. We got some really dumb inside jokes, but I think they're still funny. They make me giggle while I'm on the toilet. Anyways, uh, so Taz joins the announced team. Right as Hammond Page comes up before he gets to the ring, all of Team Taz comes out, just starts beating the living shit out of Hangman Page. And before they can break it up, it ends with Brian Cage uh, giving Hangman Page a powerbomb onto the opening, like, wooden area, if you will. Tossing him in the ring, they start the match. I mean, he's dominating him, I would say, a majority of the time, just beating the shit out of Page. Page gets a couple hope spots, including his moonsault to the outside, perfectly hit uh but it he couldn't you know he tried to get the buckshot lariat it didn't work pretty much everything he was throwing at him didn't work but he was already messed up from previously in the match or before the match i should say uh fucking cage or yeah brian cage gets an f5 on him he gets out of that so then he's pissed he gives him a power bomb then gives him another power bomb picks his ass up buckle bomb and then throws him in the drill claw for a three count. Brian Cage has been racking up wins. Now has beat the number one contender for the belt. Uh, with some tomfoolery beforehand, I guess, to give Page a little bit of an out. But, yeah. 
Did not see that coming, Chris. Yeah, I didn't either, and I fucking hate it. Like, I don't understand having Brian, like, Brian Cage go over on Adam Page. I know you want Brian Cage to get wins, but why go over on Adam Page? And why do a beatdown thing? Like, if you're trying to make him look strong, why not just have him beat him clean? Brian Cage is supposed to be the fuck the world champion. He's supposed to be this huge star, but he needs fuckery involved to win a match. Doesn't make any sense. He's not the guy of the that type of size that needs that. Um, so like you know, and also where the fuck is Adam Page's friends? They didn't has, come in until the end. <laughs> yeah, they have. Fr- he has friends all the other time, and then they show up at the very end. Like that's stupid. I hated all of this. I was like actively messaging you about how much I hated this because do d- people care about? Brian Cage versus Kenny Omega. I mean, I'd love to see the match, but I don't think it's been built up enough. So no, and, not really. And then he, the wins that he has is on dark or whatever the hell the other show is. So yep. no one cares. The only thing memorable, if you only watch the main products in the pay-per-views is cages lost. Like the last six matches he's had. I so agree. I've, he, I was someone that was very, very wanting him, especially the way he came in to just dominate and they've they have chose to lessen him so yes i'm sorry but putting him over on your youtube products is not going to make him domineering when he loses on the main pay-per-views and dynamite shows i completely agree with you it's so stupid and cage is good man i mean i'll give him this his power bombs that one looked devastating but if you actually watched it like the one on the outside he fucking is so strong. He basically baby lifts them into it falling. That same way he did it with Sting. Uh, I think that Brian Cage is money, but I don't think that the way he's been booked really amplifies a good reason for him to beat fucking Hangman Page. And I agree with you. If you want him to make a statement, he beats fucking Adam without the help of anyone else. He just beats him and everyone's like, whoa, that's a statement. Yeah, like, so the bullshit interference at the beginning just taints it. He should just yep. have dominated him. And it's fine, because he's Brian fucking Cage. Look at the guy. He's like real-life Wolverine. Or Sabretooth. Like, <laughs> the dude's fucking jacked to the gills and is a great wrestler. He just challenged Dean Ambrose or John Moxley for the title not that long ago. I don't know why you feel like you have to do this weird-ass reach-around to, to get to the cum spot. Uh, with what is Brian Cage. I mean, him and Taz were enough as a group. Like, Taz just needed to be his manager, and you just repeat the Samoa Joe storyline from Impact. That's yeah. all you had to do. So this fuckery where he's if he's losing on the main product, I'm going to go ahead and tell AEW, and I've said this multiple times, I'm not going to watch all of your like YouTube shit. It's not ever going to happen, and neither is the normal fan that tunes into your fucking show. So what you just told us is that Adam Page, who has won for weeks and weeks and weeks and is undefeated on your main product, got jumped and beat down by Brian Cage, which I guess sets up a feud with them, but it doesn't make either of them look strong. It's just kind of in between. And I guess, you know, Adam Page is going to get his win back. That would be my guess. But what does that do for Brian? And what's the weird shit with Christian and them? Are they going to do Cage versus Cage? And even if they do, does anyone actually fucking care? This the beginning of the show pissed me off so much, Dane. Like the next hour of this podcast is going to be me bitching about <laughs> this show in the beginning of this show. 
I get it, though. I completely get it. Uh, next, we had the Elite. They're in the limo. And they're all partying, looking absolutely fucking ridiculous. Uh, well, at least the Jacksons and the uh, Good Brothers and what they're... I thought Kenny looked snazzy, and I thought that Kenny cut a good promo. I forgot the stupid statement that he made, but it was so cheesy and dumb. It was like they had to throw like a poopy fart joke in there. I can't remember the exact verbiage. But before that, the way he was cutting it, I actually liked it. Don Callis set it up really strong and, you know, gave it to the now AEW Impact and AAA champion. Um, and they just said they weren't scared. They weren't phased by the ambush and blah, blah, blah. And this would go on for a while, and all of a sudden Nakazawa who is their driver, accidentally hit the horn and freaked out everyone else except for Kenny, it seemed like. Like, you know, Kenny kind of, like, freaked a little bit, but a little bit over uh, much with Gallows. I-, I forgot the fucking thing he was doing. He was like, oh, I-, I, could- I could deal without that. I mean, actually sell it. Don Callis and Kenny are trying. It seems like the Bucks and the fucking Good Brothers, at least Gallows like that, always have comedy shit, and sometimes it's not needed, but... Uh, still, I like the uh, wrap up, and uh, they just talked about how the Bucks are going to destroy Mike and Matt Sedell, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that was it. And I, I believe that Kenny was, yeah, he was supposed to be going against Eddie Kingston, but we will get to that later on. Um, and uh, yeah, before we get to the uh, Sidell brothers versus the Jackson brothers, what do you think about this promo? I didn't like it at all, man. I don't like the comedy aspect of this. You're the belt collector. Kenny doesn't need to be involved in this. You can have those jerk-offs dicking around, but Kenny Omega is super serious, or should be super serious at this point. Also, like, Don Callis, doesn't he... Have you ever had, like, an off-campus field trip to, like, Six Flags or something? Sure. Or the zoo? Doesn't he come off as, like, the dad that decides he's going to volunteer to host. Oh my God. <laughs> he like shows up and he's like, all right, everyone calm down. I got to talk about this stuff. We're like, here we are. <laughs> it's great though. I love it. Don Callis was good in here. Uh, all of these outfits make me disgusted. These leather fedoras and shit. And I know they're doing it on purpose and it is getting heat with me. Cause it's so goddamn ridiculous. I hate it. Did you see him get called out? Uh, no, who got called out? The Bucks. Those are the exact jackets oh. that Seth Rollins used, like, months ago. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay, They're... guys, I like your jackets. The uh, rebuttal was pretty great by the Bucks, because they changed their Twitter, because this is what they do. They just changed their Twitter profile tagline to, like, great minds think alike, Tyler, which I thought mm. was pretty pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. I do like that little interaction. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. They look ridiculous, and they're acting ridiculous. And this goes into their next match. I just want to ask you, is it just me? or And Kenny, like I said, I thought he was doing better, but he had to throw in a little bit of comedy bullshit to kind of equal it out. And Don Callis is great at keeping a straight face and make, making it not look like a fucking performance. Matt and Nick... They're too fucking obvious. It's like they're playing wrestler. They're not. And I, Gallows was doing the same shit. He was like going into what he would do at his uh, chop and shop mania fucking shit with some of the stupid crap. I just, I don't need that. I, don't, I, I want them to act like, it, like even if you do comedy, 
be into it. Like, Orange Cassidy, he believes himself when he's doing the stupid shit he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't like it when it, it looks actively like a performance. Well, I think the difference is Orange Cassidy hasn't switched sides seven times. And That's like a good point, too. Four months. Like, Orange Cassidy is just Orange Cassidy. The best friends are just the best friends. So even if you thought their shit was ridiculous, it's grown on you because they do the same ridiculous shit week after week. So you're like, that's just who they are as characters because they play their characters. The Young Bucks super kick Tony Schiavone, throw out a bunch of money, then become sympathetic baby faces for no reason, and then now like super kicked Moxley in our heels. Like that is their build up to this, and now they're just doing the beat being the elite shit from their YouTube show on the main product, which I don't care for. I think they have great matches. I think they're great wrestlers. And when they're in a serious program, say against the Golden Lovers or FTR, they could be a great tag team. But to some extent, I agree with Jim Cornette. Like, it's it's like a jerk-off goof shit. And like you said with Anderson, it is much more, much more like the shit he's doing in Talking Shop of Mania versus... Bro, I was uh, talking about Gallows, Luke Gallows. Ga- not Yes. Anderson sorry. was fine. G- Gallows, sorry. It's, it's more like that then uh, what you should be doing as a seriously branded wrestler and whatever. I mean, it's to each their own. I'm sure there's lots of fans that tune into that, watch, uh, you know, all of that different stuff. But for me, it's like the Young Bucks character arc is ridiculous. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. And then they follow it up by being comedic in the ring last week and this week. Like he couldn't find, he thought, they're so used to being baby faces, he went to the wrong corner for the tag. Like I thought that was a, a cool spot in the match. But you know, that's also something only someone would know. Like there's a, a baby face side and a heel side of the tag ropes. Like them doing kind of stuff like that is just too on the nose. And maybe that's just for their audience, I guess. But at some point you're trying to get mass appeal. So let's talk about that match because I have quite a few things to say. I would love to see a match with the Young Bucks when they're the Young Bucks and not this version of them, which I know that was this. To me, in New Japan, they were taking it more seriously. They really were, like when they were this heel version of themselves. But the Seidel brothers versus Jackson brothers, there's a lot of aspects in this that are great. Matt Jackson was annoying the fuck out of me with his posing. I can't believe they did the twin magic spot. I can't stand Rick Knox. He doesn't fucking, he sees everything that he's not supposed to allow and just, it, they bury the ref every fucking time. I feel like uh, Bryce Ginsburg, I think is good. I think he actually, when, when it comes, he'll come outside, he'll start yelling at the person to prolong him doing the 10 count. But even Aubrey sometimes, like, did Red Shoes teach all of you motherfuckers how to fucking do it? But like with Red Shoes, the thing is, it's usually championship matches that he's involved in. So it's like, is he going to fucking let a fucking match go because of a 20 count over there or some shit like that? Like, he lets them slide, but Rick Knox is fucking just pointless. Like, right in front of them. It's obviously, Nick Jackson don't look exactly alike. It was stupid. So I liked a lot of the wrestling with the brothers outside of that, but that type of shit was just dumb, and the Young Bucks end up winning. The big thing and the cool thing coming out of this except for this means that SU is going to be uh, no more soon. Uh, SU came out. They they basically just told them Frankie and uh, Daniels just ran great promos on the Bucks, just 
cutting them down and saying that they've completely changed and, uh, you know, how they're going to kick their ass. And if they don't, they're done. So they've been winning matches, but they're, they're going since they're number one contenders for the belts. If the Bucks win, Frankie and, and uh, Christopher Daniels are no more. And there's a good chance that's going to happen because it looks like Daniels kind of wants to step more into being a producer because uh, his body's kind of fucking beat up. A lot of people don't realize he's like 10 years older, even though he looks great than a lot of the guys uh, part of his generation, you know, like AJ and, and Frankie and whatnot. So I get it. And Frankie, he's a great guy to have in the singles division. I, I wish that they would at least give him the uh, TNT title at some point soon. So either way, I, I'm going to be honest. A lot of the Young Bucks stuff, it was, I, I found it annoying. I, more go-away heat than actual heat for being a heel. And I know their routine. So if they're not showing passion and, and, and actually look like they're taking it seriously, it just takes me out of it. And I kind of felt bad for the Cybeldell brothers because I saw some good chemistry in certain parts, but then they did twin magic and shit. Uh, what do you think about all this, Chris? Yeah, the fuck is the twin magic? Like one <laughs> motherfucker has LeBron James hairline. How how are you confused? One has a beard and one doesn't. Uh, <laughs> LeBron, <laughs> ten head. <laughs> <laughs> like, how are you fucking confused on this? I hated this. The match itself, the stuff they did in the ring, the ath- the, the athleticism and what they're able to accomplish is absolutely incredible. Matt Seidel looked great here, and so did his brother. And, and the Young Bucks, you know, they didn't fuck anything up or have a bad wrestling match. But the booking and the psychology of it, it just completely takes me out of it sometimes. And I can go either way with them. They can have a great match, and I really highly praise that FTR uh, Young Bucks match and, you know, the foot versus fist thing that they kind of did, which I thought was absolutely great. And I love the Golden Lovers match they had. When they want to, they can have a good match. But once you start throwing in the silly page, yeah, like once you start doing this where it's amplified to like times 10 silliness, I, I just don't care for it. And it also makes your referees look like dumbasses. And it, it like you said, you kind of joke said trained by red shoes. Red, when red shoes lets shit go, it's always in title matches. And he would, you know, yep. he does oversee things, but at the same time, he's making a judgment call for the fans. So you have to look at it that way. Like you said, like, do I eliminate both of these guys on a 20 count? Cause that seems super dumb. Cause they're still out there fighting each other. And I actually respect that, uh, versus like, Oh, it's a 10 count double DQ. Uh, you got to think about stuff like Kenny Omega versus Okada. That's a 60 minute fucking match. If they're both down and a 20 counts happening, do you eliminate both of them? If they get up and start fighting towards the ring, um, so I don't know. AEW's refing situation is always terrible. It's always been terrible. It's their fault because they're like, we don't want to de- do DQ finishes, but we want to do fuck finishes. Which in some ways is better than WWE, but in some ways leaves you open to criticism. This is, uh, I don't know, man. This, Like I said, the entire first hour of the show, I pretty much fucking hated. There wasn't anything I enjoyed about this. I mean, there was some good in-ring wrestling that happened. The twin magic spot or whatever the fuck the Young Bucks did was awful. It it took me completely out of the match and made me not care about it. 
if you guys want to yell at me, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter and tell me about how good the Young Bucks are. I won't disagree with you. I think they're a good tag team. But this particular match didn't do it for me, dog. Did not do it for me, dog. I agree. All right. The next thing that we had, Jay Cargill. I got to ask, was this the same fucking promo that they just replayed from last week? I mean, she said the exact same thing. She's that bitch. And I like the promo, but I was like, I swear to God, we saw this one last week. Am I going crazy, Chris? I don't think it was the same exact promo, but that is going to be her tagline. So just get used to being it, it being stapled to it. Just kind of like uh, that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. But at least she has a catchphrase. You know what I mean? Like uh, working on the other aspects of the promo is probably good. But, you know, like I need to see her having matches on your main product to actually care. Agree. And that is always the disconnect, it seems. Orange Cassidy versus Penta L Zero Mido or Penta L Zero M or Pentagon or Pentagon Dark or Penta L Zero Fear, whatever you want to call him. Just don't call him late for dinner. Can I get some laughing, Chris? What give me some backup, all right? Come on. Are, are you are you saying Pentagon's fat? Because I'm not making this statement. I don't need Pentagon showing up at my house and hitting me with a Hurricane Rana and a Canadian Destroyer in the driveway. Oh, no, no, no. I was just trying to say he has a lot of names. He's got a lot of fucking names. Oh, right? yeah. So, Pentagon L gimmick name. Pentagon L <laughs> gimmick name. Some of his best matches I saw him first in were against Johnny gimmick name. So, it makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. So, match with Orange Cassidy. I don't... The complaint I've seen is that Pentagon should be – he's way too aggressive to kind of play along with Orange Cassidy. And I get what they're saying because he definitely has a uh, – what, what do they call it? Um, kill streak or something like that. Like Darby Allen later on, JR said that about him. Like, you know, a darker side where they can go really vicious and whatnot. Uh, but I don't, I don't consider Pentagon comedic. But I thought the match was fine. I actually liked it between them. Um, I, I'm glad he didn't sell the kicks, obviously, because they just don't do that, thank God, like they used to do in the indies with Orange Cassidy, from what I've seen. And I thought they had a great match. I The no-arm arm drag. All right, stuff I'll have to get over, but, you know. Uh, I thought it was a, a pretty good match, and, uh, you know, the right guy won. Orange Cassidy. I'm just kidding about that. You know, but what do you uh, <laughs> what are you gonna do? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there was tomfoolery and shit, but yeah, Pentagon lost to uh, Orange Cassidy. So here's the problem with having groups: they all come out together to the Pixies, right, and then immediately leave, and then Orange Cassidy gets fucked over by interference. It's like, where the hell is his team at, y'all? Like, <laughs> y'all all just came out as a group at the beginning of this and then left. Am I crazy on this, Dane? Is that not what happened in this match? Yeah. Um, so towards the end of the match, I'll, I'll just, I'll, if you guys want to listen to it, basically. Um, Orange Cassidy goes for a cover again, and now Alex 
uh, comes in and gets involved. This leads to Cassidy decking the translator of the Lucha Brothers. Turns around into a waiting Pentagon. However, he ends up escaping his clutch and blasting him with a microphone that Abrantes tried feeding Penta. So, basically, they try to go for the same thing that they did the week before. This time, Orange Cassidy was able to get the mic, nail him without the referee seeing, and then... Basically, Orange Cassidy is a che- is a cheater. Why is he doing heel shit? Does that make any sense? I mean, but he ends up losing the match, and he was overcoming the odds. But it doesn't make sense that he had odds to begin with because his team is bigger than Pentagon's team. Well, Orange Cassidy won. Did he? I thought for yeah. some reason I thought he, he for he got, some reason he, I thought he lost. No, um, he got the fucking mic from Alex, and while the referee was getting him out of the ring, he fucking nailed Pentagon with it. I uh, must be thinking about the previous week, then, uh, which is plausible. Um, okay, let me reset my brain. That's fine. I guess, I don't know. What are you even doing with Orange Cassidy? What are you Pentagon? doing with Pentagon? That's, that, that's more important, honestly. <laughs> Isn't he part of the Dark Triangle? I don't even fucking know anymore. But now he has his own standalone manager that's not in the dark. I, I do like the manager though. I love the promos. I think it's I think it's really really cool. I just expected them to split him way far away from that team, and they haven't really done that. Um, what I mean, I like you said the no sell of the kicks, the arm drag thing. I don't have as much of a problem with because both guys are trying to arm drag each other in an arm drag situation. And uh, I, I don't know. The match was pretty good wrestling wise. I, I guess it just if you're not an Orange Cassidy fan at this point, you're just not going to be an Orange Cassidy fan. You know what I mean? Like uh, his matches are going to be that because it's working. So at least he's not like you said, at least Pentagon's not selling the fucking kicks like he got shot at the beginning of the match. And he also did the zero fear thing. So it almost came off as two guys taunting each other more so than it yeah. being a legitimate wrestling spot. That's why I didn't have a problem with it. Some people did. Yeah. Like he, you know, he did the kicks and then what Penta chopped the shit out of him and did the zero fear thing. That was fine. Like I have no problem with that. Like orange Cassidy is orange Cassidy. If you don't like him, you're not going to like him, but he's a, he's fucking pretty good in the ring. Especially he's a fun character. He re- I think it was um, Tony, Tony, Tony and uh, JR during, I'll, I'll just put it this way. I thought they brought up a cool concept. Tony started talking to JR and he said, one guy, no, 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 never mind. This was Tony talking to Jerry Lynn on their interview for, uh, for the AEW. They do his backstage interviews. And he was basically saying, like, to him, Orange Cassidy, and we kind of like talked about like Hurricane or, or Cameron Grimes. But he said, you know, someone that was big in the 80s, very different gimmick altogether, character, was Jimmy Valiant, the Boogie Woogie Man. And he was great mid-carter, won mid-card titles, never was in the heavyweight, uh, you know, division, but was wacky and did a bunch of, like, weird stuff because it got him over. And that's kind of, you know, a very similar style concept for what Orange Cassidy is supposed to be on the AEW roster, is one of those characters. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I, I kind of love his character, honestly. It's it's grown on me. I like Orange Cassidy. And uh, go back and watch the Brian Alvarez versus Orange Cassidy match. That's pretty good, where Brian Alvarez just does a bunch of shout-outs to Ric Flair for no reason. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I You know, I, I get people being upset about stuff he's done in the past, but his AEW run, other than having the weird mimosa match with Jericho, has not been too obscene or anything that I would call... I mean, it definitely wasn't fucking twin magic. I'll tell you that. That pissed me off way more. <laughs> <laughs> that pissed Ugh. me off way more than anything Orange Cassidy has done in AEW. Uh, yeah, especially it was fine. I, I'm confusing it with last week's match as far as the finish goes. That makes more sense now. But um, yeah, it's just weird well, because he has an entire do that man. Because I got mixed up with our fucking final match and our first match. When we first started the first match, I was like, I didn't get the beatdown, so I had to go back. But all of a sudden, I was like, wait, did did we see this match? Is, am I watching a fucking... Oh, wait, wait, Brian Cage is involved. Oh, okay, Ricky Starks was last week. Okay, gotcha. And then they end it with another Darby Allen fight. <laughs> like, all right. Very another, similar form. Another example that doesn't make any sense, because all of these people have friends, so why would their friends not be out there in case shenanigans happen? Not sure. Yeah. So, but anyways, this was a decent match, and uh, Pentagon doesn't need a win because Pentagon will always be over because he's fucking Pentagon L gimmick name. Exactly, I agree. Well, Tony Schiavone interviewed Doctor Britt Baker, DMD, and I just, like I said, I just love their interactions. It's so stupid and funny. It's like Tony, like she just tells him what to do, and he just fucking does it because he's scared of her, and also partially in love, but also married. So that's kind of weird, but you know, he's got an earring, so he's kind of cool and fly, but then she's with Adam Cole. So that'd be even weirder. So, you know, whatever, but their, their situation is great. I love it. <laughs> the, just, the description of this was the best thing ever. That's going to be the tagline for the show. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I just love their relationship. And I thought that she, she cut a great promo. They talked about how she's like, you know, top and going for her Kurashida and just ran down the women's roster and, uh, you know, uh, she, her, her ending part, um, you know, after going over how she's a ratings draw and that she's selling a shitload of merch and all the other things, uh, she made Tony and, and, uh, and Reba do the DMD thing with her, with their fingers. That was pretty funny. And then said, Sheeta later and just walked off. I love Dr. Britt Baker. She's fucking fantastic. And I can't wait for her to have that title. Chris. She the later. She has to have the title, right? Yeah. If you didn't put it on Thunder Thunder Rosa, then Britt Baker is your next obvious choice. So, yeah, this promo was great. Lots of funny stuff. Tony doing the little DMD finger thing. I rewound it like three times because it was so goddamn hilarious to me. <laughs> like, what do you think there's more in this situation, kayfabe? Fear from him or love from him for her? Maybe a little bit of like fear boner. Fear boner. <laughs> <laughs> he likes getting beat. Hey, let's just let's just go with that. He's like scared, but at the same time, he's attracted to her because like he doesn't want to get put in the uh, crippler cross face with her trying to rip his teeth out. But at the same time, he's like. You're a hot lady, and we've had good interactions, and I'm Tony Schiavone. It's Sting! 
He's got to the point where it's like, it's Sting! Oh my god. Yeah, it's like it's it's like way more over the top than it used to be because it used to just be like, it's Sting! <laughs> Good old Tony Schiavone. Good old Tony Schiavone. All right. He's been drinking those fucking Moscow mules with JR. <laughs> now he's <laughs> way over the top now. All right. So um, our next thing was the parlay with the pinnacle and the inner circle. Uh, Tony Schiavone was there just to hold the microphone for a second and then pass it away. <laughs> basically. Um, I thought this was great. I thought this was the best setup for stuff. You know, I don't think they intentionally, cause I don't think Chris Jericho just throws away promos, but with the whole singing thing thrown in, I don't know if that was improvised and he didn't think it all the way through. I definitely thought MJF and the pre-tape thing hit it over Jericho, but, uh, MJF killed it. Don't get me wrong. Chris Jericho showed that he's fucking Chris Jericho. And I was kind of worried about it because he started his promo against MJF with like you little prick, but then just kind of just leaned into him. Uh, it was great. Start off with Spears. He called out Sammy. Uh, Sammy's retorts were great. You know, um, I can't remember specifics. The only ones I can remember specifics about, I, I, I would say is, uh, whatchamacallit, the last two, MJF and, and Chris Jericho, but what were you going to say? Didn't didn't he say he was an afterthought to the pinnacle? Didn't Sammy Guevara say that? You were an afterthought to the pinnacle? Yeah, that's right. He said you're an afterthought to the pinnacle, you're an afterthought to AW, and you're an afterthought to your last place over in New York. And it was like, <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah, Sammy Guevara cut a hell of a promo on Sean Spears, and I was like, yep, no, he's not wrong. Oh, man. Uh, and then I, I also love how this time Hager and fucking Wardlow didn't get involved. They mostly stood like stood and stared at each other like they have beforehand in the past. I thought that was like a nice little thing. But, uh, man, it got, it got pretty heated between Cash and Dax against uh, Santana and Ortiz, especially like, you know, Dax mentioning her daughter or uh, Santana's daughter and him fucking freaking out. And just going off on his ass. And then finally it was between MJF and Chris Jericho. MJF just let him know that he's going to take his spot, essentially. And Jericho just fried into him, man. Um, This is going to be an awesome match. Uh, Apparently, you know, uh, they have to kill the inner circle in order to win. Because that's the only way that they're going to win. But great stuff. This is the type of WWE. Or WWE. This is the type of pro wrestling. Ugh. That I like to see, and uh, I thought this was a good build-up, and I'm looking forward to next week. What do you think, Chris? This is the type of wrestling entertainment you look forward to. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. Uh, man, Jericho gave up the L last week to cut the promo this week because he went off. Great Jericho promo here. Versus last week. Great. Like showing that he can be that damn good. And uh, MJF was just looking at him like, man, I'm at, I'm at the foot of a god right now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, this was awesome, man. And uh, LAX, what are Pride and Powerful? They need to be in the main tag picture always. Yes. Always. Yes. They're so good on the mic. They're so good in the ring. They have such unique characters. They should always be in the main event. I like them more than the Lucha Brothers. 
I like them more than the Young Bucks. I like them more than FTR. They should be, after this is done, if they're not in your main tag team title picture, I'm going to be super pissed. Not going to lie. I've been waiting way too long for these two great, great wrestlers to be atop of your tag division. Um, but yeah, this set up a good match. The only thing I would say is Tully should have said more because Tully's a great promo and we should have had more Tully. Here. I, I like the part though, where Tully came to like, I, I think he was going to step in and grab the mic from Jericho or maybe he was just trying to like calm uh, MJF down, but Jericho stopped him and fucking just ne- almost face playing him. It was like, no, 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 no. You are not talking right now. I'm not getting interrupted and just kept on going. It was a, uh, it was good shit, man. It was. This was good. This was better than last week as far as a group interaction. And I feel bad for the inner circle because they did it live and the pinnacle had a taped promo. But maybe that was planned. Who knows? Like you said, maybe Jericho softballed one last week and then went really hard this week because this was intense Jericho not being funny talking about how he's going to whip someone's ass as, a, as, as, I guess, the baby face in the situation, and it paid off. It was great. And uh, where's Mike Tyson, y'all? <laughs> Is he going to punch Tully Blanchard in the face? Can we? <laughs> oh, my God. Tully's such a good seller, too. That'd be amazing. You just see the soul leave his body? <laughs> yeah, well, I I guarantee you that guy from FTR is not going to take another <laughs> Mike Tyson punch again. <laughs> lay it in. I would want to. Uh, you had he had to say lay it in, right? Because Mike Tyson jabbed him hard as fuck. Like that was like I watched this back at like two frames a second, and Mike Tyson definitely fully connected to that some bitch. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, uh, get off, get uh, Don Callis to come out. So we start with uh, Michael Nakazawa sitting in a steel chair in the uh, ring on a laptop. From there, we hear the familiar sound of Eddie Kingston's theme music. He makes his way out with a microphone in hand. Kingston said he's not doing the sports entertainment crap. He tells Nakazawa to get out of the ring, and he calls out Kenny Omega, who's supposed to be having a match with them. He said he isn't putting up with this type of shit. Omega does come out in his suit with sunglasses and holding a mic. Uh, the AEW Impact and AAA Mega Champion addresses Kingston saying, just because he called out the champion doesn't mean he gets the champion. Omega says he gets knock. With that said, Kingston is blasted to the back of the head by Nakazawa's laptop. Knock goes to follow up as Omega cheers him on. But then Kingston starts no-selling, and Knox uh, knows he's screwed. He takes him down and puts his leg inside the steel folding chairs and about to pilmanize him. Uh, he gets a mic and tells Omega he either gets him or a tag team, or gets him one-on-one or in a tag team match with him uh, against uh, him and Moxley, or he's going to break his boy's ankle. Omega says Knox knows what he signed up for and tells him to go ahead. Uh, before he can do that, however, Omega brings out Brandon Cutler, who army crawls past him on the entrance uh, stage, only to be attacked uh, from behind by Moxley, who threw him out in the first place. Moxley helps Kingston throw a wrench in their plans and forces Don Callis to give them the match that they so desire. After this wraps up, we head 
to another commercial break. So it looks like it's going to be Kenny Omega and a mystery person going against the two of them. Uh, well, how'd you like the segment? I love Eddie Kingston. He's a fucking monster. And who's going to be in Kenny's corner? Uh, do you think they're going to pull anyone out of their ass? Maybe, uh, shit, maybe it can be LP, you know, before he goes to Impact. I don't know. That was exactly what I was going to say. Maybe it's ELP. Um, yeah, that's a great prediction. That would be awesome. I mean, if I was Kenny and I was looking around at this band of m- misfits, <laughs> I would I would probably uh, reach deep in my pocket. Do you think Marty Scroll is going to show up? Uh, I don't know, man. That's another guy. It's like, uh, uh, but yeah, no, if I was pulling around in my pocket for this, I'd probably pick Anderson just because, you know, G1 legitimacy <laughs> as far as what that group is concerned or ELP, like you said. Uh, man, Eddie Kingston was great here. I like this segment. I just wish that he would have just broke Nakazawa's leg or whatever. Just straight yeah, for the hell of it. Yeah, like, you know, he's like, you're not going to give me the match? Or even after he gives him the match, just break his leg on purpose. Because think about everything he's went through up to this point. So you get what you want, but you still break the guy's leg. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think that would have been great. But Eddie Kingston was great here. He always is. This is a good setup for whatever this match is. A tag match, which I'm not super excited about. But uh, Moxley's on his way out, so he's not going to win the title anyway. So this sets you up for Kingston, I guess, versus Omega or whoever they bring in. And I had an aha moment earlier, Dane, while we were talking about this. What if it's Cody Rhodes challenging for the Impact title? Since he can't ever challenge for the AEW title again, he can challenge for that Impact title. Hey, I love that idea. And he has a group of people that would be behind him. Mm. That is interesting. Hmm. I, I like that. You got, you got me excited. I just like, okay, you know what? I'll bring this up now because we're talking about Dynamite. And this was in my head. I was talking this with my good friend Philip uh, last night talking about the AEW video game. And we were talking about, you know, this is supposed to come out, I believe, in December. And I'm not worried about the graphics as much as just make the fucking game flow really well and have that old school, like they're saying, no mercy feel and have a really good, uh, you know, season mode or whatever type of mode, you know, story mode, if you will. But for the roster, I want a good chunk of the roster and maybe even like some of the the smaller guys, but kind of like how WCW uh, was WCW NWO Revenge or uh, no, 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 it was. It was um no you're yeah, it was you're right that's and world tour revenge and but that tour. and world tour they had featured people from other organizations and that was kind of something that they had on there so it would be cool if like some of the guys that have interacted directly with AEW like I can't see this game without Thunder Rosa she's NWA Serena Deeb's a champion but she's also AEW side so stuff like that or the Good Brothers if they kind of position it like other organizations, um, I don't know monetarily what you got to do within all that, but if they also have that, and then we're talking about legends and we're talking about, you know, stuff that I've talked about with you with it, like a lot of the coaches in the back, you got your Jerry Lenz, you got your Dean Malenko's, you got uh, Kevin Sullivan, you have Jake Snake Roberts, obviously as a 
uh, uh, not a coach, but um, as a uh, manager. So like their older style and their newer style, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and kind of put out some like, you know, like a advertisement for online that's like, you know, ultimate dream matches. And then you have like FTR going against Tully and Arn or, or Kenny and Jerry Lynn going at it or whoever. But I would definitely incorporate that and I would really model it off of those early WCW 64 games, which I got a 64 recently and it still is one of the best systems of all time. I don't care. Controller's terrible, but the games are really great for N64, so I'll give you that. Uh, <laughs> as a Nintendo 64 owner... Entrepreneur. That, uh, I agree with you, and the reason they got around it is the same reason Super Fire Pro got around it. Basically, what they would do is just change their names. Change their names and where they're from, and maybe like a little height and weight difference. They basically did the ice, uh, vanilla ice thing. Nah, it's slightly different. <laughs> uh, Yo, it's ding, 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 did a ding, ding is theirs. And mine is ding, 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 did a ding, ding. See, there's a difference. Yes, exactly. So that's what they did. And that's the same thing that AKI, AKI did, the developers of WCW versus NWO uh, World Tour in, in Revenge, which are my two favorite wrestling video games of all time. I know people are super super into WrestleMania 2000, but that's just a recamp of WCW Revenge. WCW Revenge is just such a great fucking game. One of my favorite games of all time. My two um, out of those four is definitely Revenge and No Mercy, more so than the, their early versions of both of them. Uh, but yes, great video game. I hope they do something like that. I don't. I'm the same way as you, man. I don't really care about graphics. If the game is fun to play, that will make me more intrigued on playing it. Like these new modern simulation, you know, uh, WWE 2020 or 20K or whatever the hell, like 2K or whatever the hell they call it, that's done by 2K Sports, where the graphics look great, but it's got so many bugs and so much other stuff that takes you out of the gameplay. I just want a smooth running, fun to play wrestling game that I can pick up and play with my friends. And that's all I really want out of that. So the, you, you'll find this kind of funny. So not only do I have my 64 set up, uh, my Xbox died. So I'm about to get a new one. But in the meantime, I set up my 360 and I have my 64. And so I've been playing 64, just everything. I've played some Mario 64, uh, World Tour like a bunch of games that I have available and I want to get Legend of Zelda and No Mercy, uh, which I plan on purchasing. But also I've been playing 2K14, which to me arguably was the best one on the last systems and probably one of the best ones that 2K's put out. Uh, that one has like all the WrestleManias and you do all the main events of them and unlock people. So you don't have to buy the DLC. They're all unlockable and it's got Yokozuna and fucking Hulk Hogan. The roster is absolutely ridiculous. And was way more simplified than they started getting technical and getting glitchier for the new systems for the Xbox One, unfortunately. But, uh, well, now they don't have Ukes. And uh, Ukes has got the developer of uh, all those games we just talked about, No Mercy, World Tour, uh, and he is working on AEW's video game. So I guess that comes back around random conversation because I have ADHD. There you go. (laughs) No, but it's an important conversation because we need a a good wrestling video game that's not Super Pro because Super Pro Fire Super Pro is not for everyone. 
It's not. It's a button combination matching. It's more like a fighting game than a normal wrestling game. I could see how people get turned off by that. And that's why those games, the games that we're talking about from that era, were so perfect. And I think that AEW realizes that, and we will have a very simplistic but very fun wrestling game. Uh, At least I hope. If they come out with some kind of bullshit that's like Fire Pro... That'll be fine, but I'll just go play Fire Pro instead of that, and they will lose half of their fan base for their wrestling games. Well, if I were... And it would be awesome if we had all of these, because I like all the engines. Because I like the Uke SmackDown engine, which developed into the two-game engine. And if they're going to put out a great game next year, um, you know, that like they're promising us, like, we know we fucked up with Battleground and fucking 2K... Uh, 19 or whichever one that was. It was terrible. So glitch. They they said they're going to really work on this one. So I'll, I'll give them that whatever. It's got, like I said, the SmackDown updated 64 engine, uh, even updated to a modern 2K sports style, if you will. And then AEW, they got the, the literally the, the Aki or AKI or whatever the fuck it was, THQ style of engine. Um, you know, that that's fine with me too. I I would jump on it. I know that uh NWA did it with the uh the old school Russell games, the uh, ones for sixty four and arcades and shit. Uh I don't think a lot happened out of that, but and then Fire Pro, man, put out a, just a all straight New Japan game. Every every New Japan person. That'd be <laughs> Well they give you everything. They give you New Japan, they give you all Japan, they give you everything in Fire Pro. You get US, you get you can download that entire roster. It's just that gameplay is uh very much specific to fire pro. So if you're a newcomer coming into a fire pro game, what, what I would say for fire pro, if you, if you want to cross over and have a big game in America is to give a simplified version of the controls. So like in most sports games, you have like basic advanced and then like pro level controls where you're using the joysticks, etc. Find out something like that, something that works, where you can do like one button grapples, or because yeah, what what we're talking about with these other games, like if you remember SmackDown, for instance, for PlayStation, it's a one button grapple, and that's what makes it fun to play. And the one button reversal, you hit the square button, you can reverse anything off the ropes if you hit it in time. Um, but like the opposite of that is like W uh, specifically WWF is WWF Attitude. And that company went on to do the ECW games where it's like you have to hit a fighting game button combination to do a Stone Cold Stunner. And that's not for everyone. I hated it. Versus like SmackDown, you get your special up, you hit the L trigger, you hit your goddamn special move. It's amazing. It's fun. (laughs) It's fast paced and it's fun. And that's I guess this is a defense of like, you know. Modern graphics versus good gameplay. I'll take good gameplay all day. Like, I would much rather play Super Mario World than, you know, a game that looks super incredible, but it controls like shit. You know what would be cool is if if they get it down and WWE comes out finally with another good 2K game, why not just take Here Comes the Pain, since people love that game, and redo it, update it. If you got to take anyone out for whatever reason, shit like that, do that. But the roster was ridiculous. Redo the story mode. You can make it a fucking DLC, but I feel like that would actually make some money. Just an idea. One of my other favorite specific <laughs> wrestling video games. 
I would argue that Here Comes the Pain kind of killed the wrestling video games for WWE because what they did is they made everything in depth with the general manager mode and booking of Raw and SmackDown and made that way more important than the gameplay. And then the following games, they one, they didn't continue what Here Comes the Pain did, but also the gameplay suffered. And I would much rather play like SmackDown 1 or SmackDown 2 or... Uh, WrestleMania 2000 or WCW uh, NWO Revenge over any of those games that came out later than SmackDown 2 because they just don't flow as well, man. They don't feel good. They don't. All right. Well, that was your video game talk. Let's get back on course with AEW, but looking forward to the AEW video game regardless of what they decide to do. Unless they don't decide to do what I want them to do and then fuck you. So, you know, that's uh, that's how the Internet works. I believe Tony Schiavone interviewed Taz and was interrupted by Christian cage. Lots of shots fired back and forth. Uh, you know, Taz basically said that you barely was able to beat, uh, you know, my guy, uh, fucking powerhouse Hobbs, but Ricky Starks is going to beat you. So now we got Christian. That's got to go through multiple people. I guess he's going to beat Ricky Starks. Cause that tends to happen. Uh, well, no, no, he, he beat powerhouse Hobbs. So who knows? This might be a completely different formula. I have no idea. But anyways, Christian kind of just makes fun of Taz in his current state, how he used to be the badass everyone was scared about. But now he just, you know, gets people to do his bidding. And, uh, he's, you know, he, he understands the whole excuse thing. But to him, wins are a win sort of thing. So you can say that Hobbs should have won. But, uh, you know, he he learned a lesson. And, and so is Ricky Starks, basically. And Taz looks all pissed off. And then Christian smiles and walks off. So. There you go. Christian against Ricky Starks. I mean, I think Christian's probably picking people he wants to work with, and they should probably have a good in-ring match. But, I mean, if you want to do anything with Ricky, I don't think this is uh, this is helping him. Um, I don't know. I guess they may, might not think that highly, which Ricky's fine to me. But, um, yeah. Uh, he's not beating Christian, right? I wouldn't think so, man. I, I would have to think you have Christians going on a win streak, right? Is I that so? Is, I mean, that seems what they're going for. So he's going to beat him here, and maybe uh, Brian Cage he loses to. We'll we'll go with Adam Page down the line here in whatever rematch they're going to have, and that sets up. I, it's somehow Cage versus Cage seems like it's a thing. So maybe that sets it up. Maybe for the FTW title. Because why not? We haven't seen that yet. Uh, What's that? Exactly. But, man, Christian talking about how Taz used to be, like, this dominating force. I was like, never in any company you worked at. <laughs> he was like... Good point. <laughs> he was, like, basically an announcer, and you were way above him on the card in WWE. Like, to you, Taz should be a fucking afterthought. He just wrestled a bunch against a uh, bunch against scrubs and like ECW to Christian, as far as Christian should be concerned in wrestling history, but that's nitpicking. Uh, it was a fine promo by Christian. No, but I think, no, you're right though. I mean, Taz, when he came into WWE, finally, they fucking booked his ass to the moon of beating, being the first person to beat Kurt Angle. And then he got a win over triple H and then he wanted to fight the King and then Jerry the King Lawler beat him, and then he lost to a lot of people and then had to retire. So, yeah, you're right. 
<laughs> yeah, like Taz is running W. Like as far as Christian is concerned, Taz is a fucking announcer. <laughs> like that's what he should have said. He said, "Taz, why don't you sit your ass back to behind that desk like you're supposed to be." Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, outside of that, I mean, it was a good promo and, uh, Hey, Christians look good in the ring, man. I would say better than, uh, better than edge, but edge had that really, really great WrestleMania match recently with Roman and, uh, Daniel. And there's arguments to be made. I thought you were were being sarcastic and we're talking about the one Randy Orton last year. (laughs) No. Well, the second one was fine with him. Yeah, well, the greatest match of all time was a pretty good match in all reality, but the first one that went around the whole entire performance center blew ass to me, but, you know. Yeah, Yeah, that was terrible. Don't tell Edge I said that. I don't want to get yelled at. uh, Well, they killed that first, or they killed the second match by fucking calling it the greatest match of all time. They should have just been like, hey, we're going to have a match. <laughs> well, they had to pay Panic at the Disco to have that in the fucking song and shit, so... Oh, what were they yeah. supposed to do, right? Okada should have called Edge and been like, do you really want to have the greatest match of all time? <laughs> oh, man. Don't say stuff like that. All right, let's keep on going. Penelope before Chris Statlander, they finally were able to, you know, get aside their feud. And uh, good match. I really like both these ladies. Uh, I think actually Penelope Ford should not be just Kip Sabian's eye candy fucking most of the goddamn time. I think she's an awesome wrestler. So I have more faith in her than I do Kip Sabian. I'll just put it that way. And Chris Statlander's awesome. She's in shape. She she looks incredible shape. And she, uh, I, I, I just dig her. She's kind of like, oh, God damn it. I'm trying to think of like a way to do this. Like, this is going to sound terrible, but if Nick Jr. had an Ultimate Warrior character, there you go. That's what she is. Um, it might be the stuff. <laughs> actually, no, actually, that's that, no, that's not a bad comparison, man. Like, honestly, like if all that had a female Ultimate Warrior, I'd be that'd be pretty good. That that kind of lines up her character. I, I like it. It kind of reminds me of the little aliens from Toy Story with her. Yeah. Kid, and she's a good she's a good in-ring wrestler. I'm glad she's, to see her she's back. She's meant for kids, I, I would say, right? Yeah, and throwing her in with the best friends, like, that's perfect, honestly. Yep. Like, she just fits right in with that misfit group. And also, we got to hear two of the best theme songs in the business <laughs> with her coming out to Where Is My Mind and Penelope Ford's uh, Bad, Bad Girl theme song. I was hyped for this entire entrance segment. Pretty good match, too, man. And Chris Outlander does a really good Gorilla Press Slam. Weird. But, uh, you know, basically, I, I, I think what happened was, like, Penelope Ford went for the Muda, you know, uh, corner spot. Chris Outlander got out of the way and then was pretty much uh, shortly after that, got her in her finishing move and got the big, big, the, the big bang, sorry, guys, for the win. And, uh, yeah, that was it. Chris Outlander won and a pretty good match, man. I liked it. Me too, man. I thought it was a good match. And uh, Penelope Ford is vastly underrated and should not be used with uh, Kip Sabian. She should just be her own entity, as I've said multiple times on the show. Can he be the ass-kissing, like, husband of, of of hers that, like, follows her around and tells her how awesome she is? And she's like, yeah, 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 thanks, babe. Okay. You know, can, can we just do that role reversal a little bit? 
Because that's what it is. She should be in the fucking title picture. He can't even get to the fucking North American title. Or not the North American title, the TNT title picture. To me. And it's nothing against his in-ring ability. He's just there, kind of. And yeah. she's a way bigger star than he is. Yeah. So uh, maybe, you know, he, she can be his Miz. And she and he can be Maurice. Oh my god, that's a great comparison. Because uh, Penelope right. Ford is way more entertaining than Kip Sabian, and they've done nothing for me to care about this guy. I've seen his matches, and uh, he wrestled in New Japan for a while. He also wrestled in Ring of Honor. I've seen him wrestle. He's a good wrestler. So I'm not shitting on his in-ring ability, but as a character, you basically told me Miro is more important. His wedding is an afterthought. Penelope Ford is cooler than he is. He's just kind of a geek that's gotten beat by a lot of people. Yeah, I agree. And he's going he's gonna to get beat uh, shortly after. Anyways, we'll get to there. AEW's uh, trios match, The Factory. Nick Camarado, Aaron Solo, and QT Marshall with uh, that one boxing gentleman, Anthony Agogo, sorry. In their corner, going against the Nightmare Factory with Billy Gunn, Dustin Rhodes, and Lee Johnson. Shoddy Lee Johnson. That's what they want us to say. Um, And obviously, Billy Gunn's kids are in the audience. So if anything happens, they can just jump that whole thing. And uh, not too bad. Uh, I really like the look of Nick Camarado. And uh, Tony Schiavone, uh, another guy with the comparisons, uh, said he looks – he gives me a look like obviously there's the – the Bruiser Brody direct look, but almost like a Billy Jack Haynes style look. And I was like, I like that. That was good. And I think Jim Ross commented on that. He probably said, Sasha Frash. But uh, love you. Love you, JR. Um, but I think this really goes down to it just got crazy. There was a DQ. Everyone's beating the shit out of each other. The heels are getting the advantage of Dustin, Billy, and, and Lee. And it just gets nuts. And they came because it looked like they stole. Uh, or the factory at least stole their uh, the the nightmares van, uh, their big ass tour van and shit, or it would be Cody's, but whatever. Um, and they're fighting all the way to the parking lot, and I think that I think what we were supposed to think is that um, what's his name, um, QT Marshall was trying to retreat, and Cody just busts open the door, starts beating the crap out of him. For some reason, he decides to go to the top of the fucking thing. So does Aubrey, who's trying to get them to stop. Uh, Aubrey's doing some of her best referee work to date uh, after the match is done. And, uh, yeah, uh, I guess that's right. This is a no-DQ match, so that's why they kept on going. So they ended up winning. <laughs> this was so fucking all over the place and crazy. I got to be honest with you. I kind of felt – at one point, I had, I had no idea what was going on. And I think that exact same thing happened to me just now. But Cody helped <laughs> – them win, sort of, and yeah, that was uh, that was it. That was that was. What did you think, Chris? I mean, if I was Cody, I would stay far away from this goddamn storyline. That's what I would do, <laughs> especially if I haven't been on TV for three or four weeks. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't care about any of this. It's bad. It's bad. I, I'm the same way as you. I had no fucking idea what was going on in this match, Dane. That's 
whatever. The finish was the finish. Well, I mean, it's just leading to Dustin and QT Marshall, which reminds me of uh, Joe Durte. It's like, you know your name's not Durte. <laughs> <laughs> you know your name's Joe Dirt. Because, like, you can't call him Marshall forever and then call him Marshall now. Um, was he supposed to be a French mobster? What the hell is going on with this guy? He's a French Tony Soprano, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Marshall? He's from fucking Quebec now. Uh, so anyways, I hated this. By the way, NXT was a much better fucking show than this week's AEW. So AEW fans out there, get at me, but definitely check out the NXT show because it was a better show. Yeah, they both. There was a lot of uh, things I didn't like about this show specifically. I'll definitely say that than anything, but Yeesh. But I did like this next thing, because Miro finally found Kip Sabian, and he murdered him, and he destroyed him, and this was honestly, as much as it's like you go around your ass to get to your fucking elbow situation, this is the exact Miro, along with the promo he did last week, that I want to see in AEW. So, I, when, I is Kip Sabian going to be like in a full, like, body fucking, you know, thing, like, body cast? That'd be kind of cool. I hope so. This was amazing. This is what they should have been doing with Miro from the beginning. Even after he was his best man, the next week, he this should have been the storyline. Like, he comes in and is like, oh, you're, I'm your best man. You got me hired at this company. And then immediately fucking demolishes him. They should have been doing this to begin with Miro. That, that promo he had last week with emo baby daddy Sting was fucking hilarious and great. That's what he can be. Now just give him the wins. And give him the wins on TV. For the love of God, do not put him on AEW Dark. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I agree with you. It's fucking ridiculous. It's like at the end of this next match. We're supposed to care about Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. And I care about them because I know them. But as a viewer, you don't fucking really know who the hell... They're racking wins on the other two shows. Good. Great. Not your televised shows. The fuck? Or just show me that they won matches in a good way, or a way that makes sense. Like, uh, I, I feel like if NXT had this show, which they probably will do with the, NX, uh, the NXT Evolve show, they would give me like a very well-produced segment of how dominating this team has been on the other show. Because they've done it with Imperium and Volter. Give me something like that so that I can believe in it. Because I'm not going to be able to watch all of your hours of YouTube plus all of the other wrestling in the world. Yeah, they definitely don't have a Jeremy Borash. That's, uh, that's for sure. All right. Main event. We had Darby Allen. We had Dark Order number 10. Uh, these are actually negative one's two favorite wrestlers, if you won't remember. Um, but they're going uh, at it for the TNT championship. Darby's about to, no, uh, this would break. And I don't think they made a big deal about it, but besides, I think JR mentioned it. This uh, would break the last record of nine wins from Cody uh, for the TNT title belt. So that was kind of a cool concept uh, built into it. But I don't really. The one thing with 10 is I don't know how he got here. I don't I don't really know how this works with the TNT belt 
on where they get their opponents from. If Darby's specifically picking guys that he thinks that, you know, deserve some type of opportunity, but then the, what the hell's the point of the ratings? But then you go, well, the AEW championship and the TNT belt both have the same rating system. So, I mean, who the fuck does that fluctuate to? Does the person, when they get to the top, be able to pick which one they want to go for? There's a lot of questions I have for that whole entire thing. Do you ever have any questions like that, Chris? Yeah, and all they're doing is going off what Impact did and what WWE did with the open challenge. But the thing is, that wrestler came to the ring. Devon Dudley is one of them. John Cena is another one. And they said, this is an open challenge. And that person came out to the ring. By telling us it's like not an open challenge or it's supposed to be an open challenge, but not showing us that interaction, like you couldn't skate like, I don't know, three minutes off something else to set it up. Because some of that is the greatest moments that you could have. Like if, if 10 came in and had like this really great match and almost beat Darby Allen, that's like Sami Zayn versus John Cena. It makes it so much more special when the guy comes out you know, and, and says, like, I'm the guy that's going to beat this guy. And they're taking that away from what this belt is supposed to be, I think, because that's what Cody was trying to do with it. Well, the thing is, and you you just mentioned something, though, that, that strikes me, is that putting some stuff into the person that's going to go against Darby Allen. Um, I watched, I listened to an interview with J.D. Drake on uh, Wrestling Inc., and it was like a 22-minute interview, but really good stuff, learning about him. Past Evolve champion, WV, or WVN, or whatever the fuck the other one that was associated with Evolve, uh, beat Austin Theory to put together titles. And now he's kind of been like a little bit on Dynamite, a little bit on Dark and whatnot, and is not signed anywhere. But they had a incredible, not just him, but they had a great thing that was on YouTube that was the road to uh, Dynamite, building up to their match. And it reminded me very much of what the NWA does and shit like that with their packages. But it was only four minutes or less. Darby Allen cut the best promo, better than anything he's cut, in my opinion, on the main product. Because they barely let him say anything. And J.D. Drake gave you a good reason to care about him and give a good reason for him to go against. Or at least you, you don't care as much and you, you know a little bit about his backstory, I will say. And I, th- I feel like 10 could have used that as well if they're going to – like you said, if they're going to have this be a title where it's open, just let it, that that be known, that, that Darby's letting whoever have a chance to win it. you know. But at the same time, you're supposed to have this rating system. It's very weird. Yeah, like it's specifically with Cody because Cody is a good promo. Not that Darby's not, but they want him to be a very silent character. He should just show up in the ring and stand there until someone comes out to challenge him. And that's how you set it up. And the guy comes out and cuts his own promo because that's how you build stars. It worked really well, like with Sami Zayn coming to the main roster and Kevin Owens in recent memory with John Cena holding the U.S. Or Eddie Kingston with Cody. It, It works really well if you do it properly, but to just us to just assume that like, oh, I guess he's just wrestling this guy on your main product, it's a dumb way to book what this title is supposed to be, especially if it's just an open title and anyone can challenge you for it. Yeah, man. It's it, like I said, it's like, uh, just like you said with KO and, and Sammy Kingston and Cody, what did that do for Eddie Kingston's career? 
Well, it definitely made him a household name in a, uh, as far as AEW fans go. Yeah. It put him on the map, at, at least on television, for a guy that people barely knew beforehand, you know? Yeah, especially agree. the promo itself. Like, that's what I'm saying is, like, there's that, you know, there was the great moment with John Cena and Sami Zayn because Sami Zayn was a babyface at the time. He shakes Sami Zayn's hand at the end of the match, and they had a baller of a match. And that's what you need to make this title, to me, make the title more important. Because if you're, you got to go one way or the other. You can't be, it's open or it's rankings. It's got to be one or the other. This weird in-between shit drives me absolutely nuts. Yeah, and just, also, take, just take Darby basically off the fucking list for number one contenders. Have Kenny be the only one on there, just like the women's in the tag one. And have his title be open, you know, uh, whoever. Uh, open challenge. Which I'm sure it was done before, but this was this was definitely done in Impact, and WWE kind of stole the idea with John Cena because <laughs> Devon Dudley was like an an open champion fighting people each week for a while. So there's been multiple versions of this, but this could be done way better. Like, don't you want to know more? Like about Ten, don't you want Ten to actually say something about who he is as part of the Dark Order, or wouldn't you really love to hear if he fights like Brian Pillman Jr. or Brian Pillman Jr. Right? Wouldn't you love Brian Pillman Jr. to cut a promo before having this match if you're just going to throw random guys you. in there? Or either a promo, or like I said, like something like that vignette that they put on YouTube instead of having it right before the match to really build up both guys, like. Yeah, Ten. Ten's very popular with the kids. Kids apparently like him. He's one of the most requested for action figures. You know, he's got he's a buff looking dude. I guess he's got like something like a not a warrior thing, but like, you know, that superhero look to him. That's that's why they decide to do it, but it still doesn't make a lot of sense at the same time, you know, if it's not open title. Yeah, and if you go the opposite way, if you do someone like Hook, don't you want Hook to get on the mic? We haven't heard him yet. Yeah. Good point. So maybe they're hiding that. This is this is how you built guys. And to WWE's credit, they did a great job with Kevin Owens because he came up and he slapped the fucking dick out of John Cena's mouth and stepped on the title. It was like this title's bullshit. Right? They could have built off that. They failed at that. They failed at the aftermath, but the, the reaction to the shocking loss can be great, especially if you're trying to launch someone. You know, someone that we don't know about, someone that's only wrestling on AEW Dark, someone you want to give a good push to, you could have them beat beat him for the title out of nowhere, and it would be great. But you need to tell us about the character that he is facing and make make us well known that it's it's an open challenge. I agree, and we should move on to the match. But I totally agree with you, and I like Ten. I think that he's got a great look. He's got a great body. I would like to hear something out of his mouth. I, I'm not saying necessarily he should stay in the dark order because something, like I said, has been, been making him popular with the kids' demographic uh, for them is his look, like the superhero-style look. Um, but maybe kind of – I like the white and purple, but make it look a little bit cooler or something. You can get that guy. He has a lot of potential is what I'm saying uh, to get even the TNT title in the future, I think. Him and him yeah, and uh, I, the one that got injured, I think, are the ones that have the the most potential out of any of the guys in the Dark Order. No offense to Stu Grayson, who I think is great at with its intensity, um, but 
it's Ten and it's uh, John Silvers to me are the only ones that are the breakout guys coming from that. Well, Johnny Hungy. So, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, John uh, Silvers is great, man. He's entertaining as hell. Uh, Grayson and Evil Uno need to be a tag team again because they're fucking great in the ring. Yeah, as a tag team. They are. Dude, the fucking Super Smash Brothers is an awesome finisher. It's ridiculous. They're really good. Every match they had, even if we didn't care about the characters, we were like, that match is good. But now we actually care about the characters, so make them a tag team. I like Stu. I like Stu, too, because he chews the scenery. When there was confrontations earlier with them and the other team, he was freaking out and like they had to pull him back and shit in the background. That's good to do on, on, on certain things. And like I said... What is it? It's Stu does the 360 off the top while on one guy and perfectly times with Evil Uno doing a fucking cannonball to the other guy in a corner. It's such a good finisher. Yeah, I think they hit that on Pride and Powerful and it just looks it looks incredible. I don't think they won the match, but they it's so great him running in for that Kevin Owens like cannonball and then that like you said that uh was it a 450 splash at the same time? Yeah. It's just nuts. It's so such a great looking move. They're a good ass tag team, man. They really, really are. And uh, I hope they get utilized more. Uh, but not to go off the reservation, 10 has a lot going for him as well. Like you said, great look, good, good guy in the ring so far from what I've seen. Could, you could have given him like 10 seconds to say something about himself and why he's challenging for the title. And just make it an open title. If it's an open title and you're just going to throw random ass people into a TV title match, give us the 10 sec, like 10 to 15 second promo of why they want the title. Yep. I agree. Um, but still good match, with, man. With what? One more thing with 10, it would have been super easy because he's part of the dark order. He could just been like, I want to win this for uh, Brody Lee. Well, they kind of explain that in commentary that he feels like he wants to win it, you know, specifically on the factor that or how amazing it would be able to win the belt that Brody Lee had and that Brody decided to name him 10 because he thought he was like the perfect 10 or whatever, but not uh, like uh, what's his name? Uh, Sean Spears. But uh, I, I think I think commentary kind of put that in there. But, yeah, it, like I said, something maybe they had it. I don't think they had a vignette. There was no like real explanation for it. I don't think I fucking missed a vignette. Did you miss a vignette? No, I don't think so. And it's more important for the actual wrestler to say it than it just be explained during the middle of a match by commentators. Agreed. Um, but I really like this match. Uh, I think that Ten's got a lot of potential, but you know, uh, Darby Allen's fucking great, man. He really is. I don't know how I feel, and I think this is you're going to say the same thing. He, they did, they didn't do the uh, the the Last Supper, but he did the exact same thing that Roddy Roddy Piper beat uh, Brett with, and maybe that was a little nod because the Piper documentary came out that Darby did that. But Darby Allen winning with a roll up again. Barely, like, he was legitimately towards the end, kind of getting his ass kicked by 10. Um, I th- I think he got right out of a gorilla press slam and then, you know, not got knocked in the corner and then pulled off that roll-up. Uh, but 
Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about, once again, Darby's winning with the roll-ups? I know you had an issue last week with that. Six weeks in a row? Pretty much everyone. Oh, man, I, I hate it. It's fine. They're trying to prove that he is the smarter wrestler. But if his mentor is Sting, can't you teach him a submission or something? I mean, roll-ups... I'd love to see him do the Stinger Scorpion Death Block. I mean. Yeah, just lock it in. Like, Brett was a small guy. He he tapped a lot of people out with a sharpshooter. Yeah. Like, uh, so I, I, don't, I, I don't necessarily get yeah, good call. I don't necessarily like the, the roll-up thing. I know they're trying to build it into his finishers, like he's the king of roll-ups or something, but like being the king of roll-ups seems super lame in the world of wrestling, if we're being completely honest. Yep. All right, well, because we're talking about AEW, uh, there's definitely some afterbirth, uh, like there there is. But uh, cool stuff at first. Ten picks up. Uh, they both kind of pick each other up, and... Ten goes to shake his hand. Allen instead uh, yanks the uh, tribute armband off of him and hoists it up and says, Mr. Brody Lee. While that's happening, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky just start beating the living shit out of them. Sting hits the ring. He gets beaten down. Uh, Scorpio Sky, another. I, it's funny that I just mentioned this, though. Um, puts him in a heel hook. Scorpio Sky, I know he was a baby face, and now as a heel, he's been doing the heel hook. At least I've seen him do it once. Uh, but before that, he was doing the Scorpion Deathlock because he's Scorpio Sky. So it wouldn't have made sense to do it then, since you're doing it to Sting. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. But, uh, you know, he's Darby's having to watch Sting while he has a crossface put on him by Ethan Page. And then, once again, Lance Archer, with Jason Snake Roberts waddling behind him, comes out to make the save for Sting, who I thought he hated. I was very confused at the end of this, Chris. <laughs> I was like, wait, what the fuck is going on? I'm going to ask this question again, and it's going to sound redundant, but where the fuck was the Dark Order? <laughs> oh, no. Your boy is getting beat down. He's in this match, and now Darby's getting beat down. Where are you guys at? Where y'all at? Uh whatever it's maybe john johnny silver was uh doing something really funny and they just weren't paying attention they were riding on adam page's lawnmower again i hope they do that on being the elite that would be hilarious uh but now now all jokes aside i'm assuming that scorpio stopped doing the stinger death lock because darby will eventually pull it out probably they're going to give that move to him because Sting is like his mentor in the situation. So I would assume that's why he has stopped doing that. But the hill hook is still good. Like that's Scorpio Sky is so good. How did it take so long for him to get involved in a main story picture? It's ridiculous. Ah, I don't know, but I also think it's funny. His tag partner. See, when, when the North, who I was really high on because I watched a lot of their stuff they did in Impact, they had the tag titles for a long time. When they broke up because Ethan Page was leaving and we didn't know where he was going to end up, I was like, Josh Alexander is going to be in another tag team soon. They're going to be badass because he's a tag team wrestler. And now he's the fucking X Division champion, uh, singles championship, obviously, by himself. And Ethan Page, who in interviews even building up to it, was like, yeah, I think that I'm going to go for singles run. Now he's in a tag team with Scorpio Sky, which is pretty fucking awesome. 
especially good heel tag team. We don't know a lot about them. They're building them on the fucking YouTube shows, but whatever. But it's just weird because Ethan Page is now in a tag team and Josh Alexander is a singles champion. I find that strange. Yeah, Ethan Page is fodder for Scorpio Sky, if I'm being honest. And also, I can't get over the defense. Defense with Ethan Page's debut squash match. Poor dude, man. Fuck. That was some terrible shit. All right, well, that was it. Let's go over the big thing for SmackDown and get out of here, Chris. So, last night's SmackDown, um, I liked a lot of the stuff on the show, but it was building up throughout the whole thing. You know, you had wrestlers like The Miz and just just everyone in the world, basically. Ric Flair. Who's going to win, Daniel Bryan or Roman Reigns? And this was a very exciting stuff. I mean, everything that's been happening on Raw and SmackDown, like I've said, has been rehashed from the last pay-per-view of WrestleMania. It's like they have to have a pay-per-view to have the feuds have another end, if you will. So more stuff with the Street Profits and uh, the Dirty Dogs. More stuff. Now it's Bailey who's going for Bianca Belair. So they had a, a, a match, if you will, that the Street Profits and Bianca Belair won. Nia Jazz and Shayna Baszler went against Tamina and, and Natalia. We're in the same position, but uh, Natalia and Tamina ended up winning, so they get a title shot. So we're doing that feud again. Um, look, I'm basically looking forward to WrestleMania's backlash, or whatever the fuck they call it, to be over so we can get somewhere uh, with this. But the match itself, actually, before we get there, there was a cool vignette. Also, if you guys want to know, Big E and, uh, and uh, Apollo, they had a match. And another DQ happened. When Baba Tunde or whatever you uh, say his name is, he's got about four of them now at this point, screwed over Big E. So they're going to have a match at the pay-per-view. Pat McAfee was awesome. Uh, he's doing really good on commentating in my eyes. Uh, but we had this weird vignette, second one from Aleister Black. Chris, did you see the vignette itself or the one from last week with Aleister and this new persona? He's wearing glasses and in the suit. Looks like he's in a library. And basically very heelish, but very back to what I would say the Aleister Black that we knew. He didn't have an eye patch on. Well, yeah, he lost his eye and he's wearing sunglasses now. So he doesn't need an eye patch if he's wearing sunglasses. Also, why the fuck is he just always in a dark room? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. His last name's Black. Come on. Uh, God, yeah, I guess you're right. Now... We'll get into the Cesaro. Cesaro push later, though, is over 9,000, and I'm very happy about that. But uh, there was one other thing you named. Uh, yeah, Tamina and Natalia versus Shayna. Did you? No, you said uh, Natalia, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. they, they have they got a uh, title match now for beating the uh, tag champions. It's fine. You have they they have three women's tag teams, so that makes <laughs> sense. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But the uh, the Alistair Black stuff, I am just. He was supposed to be in his old high school, I guess. Is what they were going for, right? Let me go for I, it. Let me see if I can find a picture of this shit. You know what he yeah. needs to do. You know what he needs to do is get oh, with. He has Bray. a book. 
Listen to this. He has a book. I forgot about this. He's got candles lit up behind him. He's got a nice like button up with a with a tie and these sunglasses. And the book he's reading is Tales of the Dark Father. Tales of the Dark Father sounds like a fucking like a like a death metal band. Like what the two on the nose. He needs to uh, get with Bray Wyatt and understand how to do these promos. If they're just going to continuously put him in the back room in the darkness or Mick Foley or Jake the Snake Roberts or someone because they just come off like he's reading a script in a very dark room or it's it's been the same shit since he debuted on the main roster. I don't understand how they fucked this guy up so hard. He should just be what coming made, out. <laughs> what made Alistair cool though on NXT? Like not wrestling wise, but like something about his character. Not talking and roundhouse kicking the shit out of people. That's what I'm right. talking about, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Alistair was stoic. He was quiet. That's why a lot of the comparisons came to The Undertaker, besides the darkness. He would go out there. He was scary. His presence was very domineering. He didn't say shit. Then he beat your ass, and if he said one word, it was a big deal. Like when he said to Velveteen Dream, I forgot what the quote was, uh, say my name, and he said Velveteen Dream, and just threw the microphone at him. Ah! Like that was cool about Alistair. Oh, he didn't. God. He didn't have to say anything. He comes up from a fucking coffin out of the stage with dope ass entrance music. That's all and you now need. Now he lost his theme music because of CEFO or whatever the fuck I was talking about earlier. Some uh, yeah. bullshit. Yeah, like all you need is him to show up and just start roundhouse kicking motherfuckers. Like that's it. Now he has one eye. Fucking make him go out there with the eye patch and roundhouse kick people. <laughs> like that's it you don't he's so good in the ring and is such a presence like he has a natural charisma he doesn't need these like mick fully ask mick fully needed these mick fully was yep. also good in the ring but mick fully needed these vignettes and that's part of why mick fully is so great because he's such a great promo he needed this because of his size uh, weight etc to get over in wwf alistair black doesn't need that like, he's just a dominating presence in general. Like, why the fuck is he talking? And if he's going to talk, you have a perfect guy for him to talk to to work these promos out with Bray Wyatt. Because they're going to be very similar. Um, but I'm just, what, I'm glad that he's on SmackDown, though. That's what I will say. Because it seems like they give a shit. Do you notice? I don't think we even came to this conclusion. I just did. Uh, the two main events, WrestleMania, what do they both have in common, Chris? The Bianca versus Sasha, and then the uh, three-way on the second night. Both SmackDown angles. Yeah, I was I was trying to put it together in my mind real quick. Uh, because the Sasha-Bianca stuff was just overshadowed by... Uh, it was overshadowed by be, being a women's main event, so I didn't even think about it being a SmackDown angle, to be honest. I don't think a lot of people did, but that's what I'm saying. Okay, so who's on SmackDown? Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Big E, uh, Seth Rollins, Cesaro. Well, Daniel Bryan's not anymore, but you know, he was there at one point. Um, but their tag division, Street Profits are at least there. Fucking, I like the Dirty Dogs as for what they are, uh, you know a throwback or whatever they're trying to put together the better roster, the better storylines, two hour show on Fox SmackDown. 
Yeah, how are you? How are you not USA and being like, go get fucked? We want some of this talent, y'all. Like, I don't know. They're, they're All lucky. Raw I, has is like Drew McIntyre, uh, Bobby, I guess, uh, AJ, <laughs> the New Day, and Charlotte and Oscar. All right, if anyone from USA is listening to me. At Chris R. Patton on Twitter, hire me as a consultant, and I will get you a good roster. I promise. I promise you I'll get you a good roster because you're getting kind of – you got the heavyweight picture down, but we need to work out everything in between with that show. It's three hours. It's three hours, and you're getting fucked over by Roman not being there. Uh, they're losing out on a lot of big – Kevin Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Like, y'all are sleeping on stuff, and that's why your ratings are falling. So hit me up, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. <laughs> yep, I agree. It's it's uh, it's insane. And let's talk about it, man. Great main event. Uh, very, very well done. Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, I've seen their matches. They're pretty damn good dance partners. And I think they had an excellent match. Uh, it was, what, at least 30 minutes long, I think. It was a good chunk of the show. I actually rewatched it twice because I liked it so much uh, this morning. And also because I was half asleep last night. I'll admit that. Shit happens. Spoiler spoiler alert for everyone out there. This was the best match of the week across all shows. Across all shows. And that includes Rich Swan versus Kenny Omega just because you knew the outcome. This was the best show. The best match of the entire week. Yep, and I actually like the stuff that happened afterwards. It really, I think, advanced what's going on with this. And uh, Daniel Bryan makes it convincing. It doesn't matter if he's going against Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns, that he somehow is going to fucking pull it off by dominating usually in the beginning of the match. And then when Roman finally got him back and he started fucking him up and was going around the ring, then went for the spear, and Daniel Bryan got out of the way and he went through the part of the, uh, whatever, the wall. Just just a lot of great stuff. I love the headbutt, uh, the flying goat, if you will, the flying headbutt that uh, Daniel Bryan did for a two count. Um, he fucking, I mean, not only, both of them were great with their finishers because Roman got out of, uh, whatchamacallit, Daniel Bryan's finisher several times where it looked like it was fucked up because Daniel Bryan was spending a majority of the match aerial and also submission work on the left arm of Roman, or the right arm, I should say, of Roman Reigns. And uh, most of the time when he was going for the guillotine, he would do it with his right arm because that was natural and couldn't fucking put him down because he couldn't get a full lock on it because his arm had been worked on. And that led into the the yes lock being so effective with Daniel Bryan, but he kept on getting out of it. Daniel Bryan fucking got a two count from a spear, which was awesome. Uh, Definitely you didn't see that type of shit happening. And then it got down to uh, Roman thinking about it, and he got the guillotine uh, with the left arm, which is not his dominant arm, but obviously it wasn't injured, and, you know, Daniel Bryan didn't tap out. He passed out. Roman, you know, goes to be a dickhead by telling him, like, you know, you're out of here, you're off SmackDown, you're out of fucking WWE, like, get the hell out of here sort of thing. Then he goes and grabs a chair. Um, and Paul Heyman gives him another chair. He's about to give Daniel Bryan a concerto. Cesaro comes out, uh, starts beating Roman's ass, gives him a flying uppercut, takes him outside, gives him another uppercut, and then Roman gets the better of Cesaro. Did 
I'm forgetting. Did he give? Did he give him a concerto to Brian? Yes, he did. Damn. Yes, he did. Because Roman Reigns gives zero fucks, and that's part of what makes that's this match. That's because Jey Uso great. came out, right? Jey Uso yes. came out, fucked up Cesaro, gave him a super kick, and then made him watch as he gave fucking. Yeah, that's right, man. That was he, awesome. He grabs Cesaro's face and he's like, "Look at this. This is what's gonna happen to you next because you just fucked up." So we get the con- the concerto right as the show goes off the air. It's great. Also, like you just said with Roman, he sold that arm the entire time, and then he just fucking snaps at the end of this match. And this is like the best Roman Reigns you will ever see. He just starts hitting power bombs. He's just bashing the hell out of him while he's on the ground. And then he picks him up and does the guillotine choke with his left arm. Like this is just this is just all right, you hurt my right arm. Just another day for me, dog. And then he just continues to beat the absolute fuck out of Daniel Bryan. It's so emotional. Daniel Bryan's whining. He's crying. He's crying for his mama. And Roman Reigns, zero fucks given. And out comes Cesaro as the big baby face. This is what makes wrestling great. Cesaro, the only friend Daniel Bryan has, apparently. He shows up. He starts hitting these giant uppercuts. But he gets cut off by the Usos. And he has to stare on. As Roman Reigns gives Daniel Bryan his friend a concerto. And you're like, this is why there's babyface friends in wrestling. You did it right. You Smackdown, you did it right. <laughs> this is why it's important. Because I was emotionally involved in this. This is a five-star fucking match. Fuck Dave Meltzer. Five-star. This is great. Because it's great booking. Everything in between it was great. The storyline was great. And now I want to see Cesaro whip Roman Reigns' ass. That's what wrestling should be. I, I suspended disbelief. I believed in Daniel Bryan. I believed in, in how bad of a guy Roman Reigns is and how terrible of a person he was. This is what wrestling should be. Great match. Best match of the week. Hot take by Chris Patton. No, nah, man. I mean, I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome. There's two things I want to talk about this match that we haven't talked about before we get out of here. First thing. We know beating Cesaro out of many on his way to achieving the glorious wins uh, that WWE's ever had in the modern era. We know that. We know that. But what the fuck's going to happen with Daniel Bryan? I'm pretty sure he's he can't come back to the main roster. I think that that's what they set up. I guess this might be a way to have him off for a little while and then go to Raw. But do you think Daniel Bryan tried to work this out because before he wanted to go work with NXT. Do you think that in a month or so we're going to see Daniel Bryan show up at Raw, NXT? Will it be a couple months? What's going to happen with Daniel Bryan following this? Because there was a lot of NXT stars saying like stuff like see you soon or stuff around that to Daniel Bryan after he lost to Roman Reigns. I feel like there might be a reason for that or maybe that's wishful thinking on their and my behalf. I think he's done, dude. I think he's done with WWE in general. He might go work somewhere Oof. else. This was a good send-off. He went out on his back. He took a concerto. He can sell the uh, his contract's almost up. 
he can sell the brain injury from the concerto and, and move on to any company he wants. I think that he just doesn't necessarily want to be there with what they're doing. Daniel Bryan's a very smart mind in wrestling. And uh, I, I would heavily bet that he was involved with the booking of this match and how good this match was. I don't, I think he's going to leave dude. Honestly, I think he would rather wrestle like Samoa Joe or, or do something with Kitty Omega somewhere else. I think he's gone. Controversial opinion. I know the NXT guys will be very sad, but uh, if you get sent off like this concerto while Cesaro is watching you get killed and everyone knows you have a head injury, to me, that means like you're not coming back. Like he can't show up a month later on NXT and have the same steam. Like people will be excited to see him go against like, you know, an Adam Cole or uh, Kyle O'Reilly. I feel like he's leaving the company. Maybe that's just me. I mean, that's very true. I think that there's two scenarios that I don't care either way. I mean, him on Raw, I would not like, honestly. I don't want to see him on Raw if he does come back. I think that would be a waste of taking someone that good from SmackDown to put on Raw, but maybe they want another big name on there. Who knows? But if we're to believe that, you know, either... He were to maybe in a couple of months, maybe he stays on creatively with SmackDown since he's been a part of creative for there for a while or whatever, takes a break and then shows up on NXT, you know, the Finn Balor's, the Adam Coles, there's a lot of situations like that, but maybe you're right. Maybe this is it. And he's going to work out the rest of his contract, maybe creatively, like he also has been doing and then go off to try some other stuff within his career. With everything that's going on the way it is, with people kind of linking up and shit, and it being very interesting uh, wrestling time period outside New Japan, he's, he's talked about wanting to go to AAA and doing stuff there. That's a dream of his. Stuff over in New Japan. There's certain arenas, maybe including the Tokyo Dome or the uh, the Mexico uh, Plaza. I forgot what the name of the major one over there is, but um. You know, some of the bigger arenas, maybe try stuff with AEW, but not a full-time contract. Samoa Joe, the, the whole, he would be another guy, man. I, I could see as that idea of, like, trying to do a boxing-like build-up with a bunch of organizations that's all in, but built like a UFC or boxing-style thing. He's definitely a guy that would draw eyes to a product. And I've always thought Brian Danielson's a way cooler name. So maybe we'll see the return of the Red Dragon. Or is it the Red Dragon? It's both. It's the Red uh, Red Dragon or the American Dragon, I believe. The American, the American Dragon. Dragon is the biggest one known, which would be fucking great. Um, yeah, the fact that he went out clean in this match, too. There was no interference in the actual match. Am I wrong, nope. Dane? Nope. He just lost clean to Roman. So this, to me, was Daniel Bryan's goodbye match. All right, so the second thing before we get out of here... Involved in this match, a lot of people have been talking about, and it's funny that's come down to this, but theme music, Roman Reigns, new theme music. I'm just going to ask you, Chris, before I ask you, you know, I'll, I'll just start off with this. Do you even remember his theme music, his new theme music, whether whether you liked it or not, do you even remember what it is? Because I don't. No, but I'm a bad example because I skipped through the entrances to watch the match because I had to watch it right before our show today. So, so I scanned a lot of this, so I didn't even know he had new theme music. 
if I was him, he should get Mark Henry to give him that three six mafia joint. <laughs> <laughs> since <laughs> since he's out here killing motherfuckers, apparently. He should get that somebody go and get their wig split. I like that. I'm listening to it right now on YouTube to remind me. And I, it's not too bad. It's it's from their new guy, and a lot of their stuff's been pretty generic. But I've been thinking they need to get rid of this music really soon. So ha- maybe it'll grow on me. But, um, you know, with CFOs, how they left in 2019, and Jim Johnson got fired before that, you know, not a lot of the music. I, I agree with Jim Johnson. He was interviewed by... Uh, uh, Chris Von Vliet, really great in, uh, interview. Just because this is the guy that made, I mean, so many fucking people's music uh, from Demolition to uh, basically everyone that Jimmy Hart didn't do in the 80s, early 90s, he did, which is a majority of them. Razor Ramon, all the way to Stone Cold and DX and fucking Randy Orton, Batista. Just, um, he just said that the music used to be very important. Because it would represent the person coming out. And he kind of put over um, CFFOs, like a lot of their stuff that they were doing, Shinsuke's, uh, you know, Aleister Black's, uh, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, they, they kind of felt like them. And kind of now he's saying, across the board, if it's not a major artist doing a song, um, or it's not a previous one, they're kind of boring and they don't have that dimension to them. I think Romans can uh, grow on me. Wasn't very happy about Keith Lee like many, but that's also another CFO's fucking song. So I think they're trying to eliminate that, and that's why they got rid of it, which is unfortunate. But those guys obviously didn't want to get dicked over the way Jim Johnson did and lose most of his music catalog and shit to the WWE. So I don't know. I uh, I like it, um, but it's weird to have a different theme music. I think he needed it, honestly. Wrestling music is weird in general. The, you know the guy Simon Cowell, right? From American Idol? Yeah, you, you're terrible. You're absolutely just bling fucking awful at music and just about every other aspect of you. Do you know how much, do you know how he made his nut originally? Wrestling music, right? Yes. He produced all of those wrestling CDs where you could just buy theme music of other people. So he would buy up the rights and resell this music essentially <laughs> under his name that's how he made his nut dude so wrestling music uh, people sleep on fans want to hear their songs uh, to me the best wrestling theme song of all time is don't call steve austin i don't know if jim johnson did uh, that he did i was gonna i was actually gonna ask you after this because this usually comes down to these couple songs so i'll have to take austin out of it because you already said that i'll just say undertaker or dx undertaker Easily. Easily. God, DX, DX is one of my favorite fucking theme music, so. From Jim break Johnson. It, break it down's really good, but, like, when that bell hits, it's there's something that vibes with that character. And most of that is probably just Undertaker as a performance, honestly. Johnson did uh, Brock Lesnar's, too, which is one of my favorites. That's, that's good. That's good-ass shit, too. Yeah, what a great composer. You guys should have just paid him a lot of money to have him forever. <laughs> I don't get it. He even uh, said in that interview, man, he's like, they asked him about the Hall of Fame. He goes, I mean, of course it'd be great to be representing the Hall of Fame, but at the same time, it's the company that fired me after 15 years of me, or no, 
I think it was 20 years of him making songs for them. Um, so he was kind of a little bit bitter, which I don't blame him, honestly. And also, just guys, he really let it be known to wrestlers and organizations. He's not doing shit. He's not charging a lot. He's trying to get in the movie industry right now. But he still is up for doing fucking theme music. And there is little to no reason a major company that has backings the way that some of them, whether it be Tony Khan and his father and his empire and shit, or Anthem Sports or whoever, fucking Sinclair Broadcasting, pay Jim Johnson to make some stuff. The last person he did it for was PCO, who asked him randomly out of the blue, because no one apparently has approached him about it. Really weird. Also, fans out there, we might start a GoFundMe page to get like a theme song by Jim Johnson. That sounds awesome. <laughs> he did one for fucking Chris Von Vliet. He said, I'll, I'll do one for you if you want me to, man. And, and Chris Von Vliet's like, if I want you to. Like, oh my God. Like, and I'd be the same way. Jesus. Yes. What a, what a fucking tilt of the hat if you get him to do your theme music. A absolute legend. Legend. I think we're moving more into the ECW era, though. It's going to be actual artists. Yeah. Uh, and ECW just stole a lot of their shit, but there's nothing better than Enter the Sandman coming out to Enter the Sandman, or Sandman coming out to Enter the Sandman yep. while busting his head open. I mean, it was so great. And when they transitioned, and this is props to Jimmy Hart. When some of those wrestlers would transition, he's like, uh, you know, like Chris Jericho is alive by Pearl Jam. He's like, well, I'll just make it slightly different so we won't get sued. Jimmy Hart's another one, man. People don't realize. <laughs> NWO, NWO Wolfpack, uh, way back in the day, Honky Tonk Man, Dusty Rhodes, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, all that's Jimmy Hart. It's great, but I mean, most of the WCW stuff, he just stole off other songs and yeah. changed it. But oh, yeah. It's still great. So like, you know, five, five. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to the fact that like Diamond Dallas Page got called into court by Dave Grohl at one point, <laughs> like, uh, pretty good. Let's get back to that. Like, I, I like, I, I love the fact the Pixies are on AEW and stuff. Like, you know, wrestlers having theme music that, that you know that relates to them and their characters. Is is kind of cool, man. I I was always that guy that would edit sound files on modern PC games so that my wrestler would have whatever entrance music I was feeling at the time. So that's cool. Jim Johnson though composing. I mean, the Austin theme song. Sometimes in wrestling, the theme song is what make makes your character, and that something about I mean, that the, glass the breaking in here. He's got The Rock, he's got Austin, he's got DX, and he's got fucking Undertaker. Kane, everyone else, but especially those four. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's just a great songwriter and composer. And, like, I don't, you can pick a modern song, but, like, what are you going to come out to that's, like, as cool as the glass breaking in Austin? Like, the combination of those two things. Like, sometimes when he would be able to put his mind together and do something specific for a wrestler, it's almost better than a lot of music in general. Because that's, like, anytime you hear that song, you're immediately going to think Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that's you part are. of my problem with modern theme songs is, like, with, with, the, without, with Nakamura, that would be the one... 
or a glorious, I guess. Those would be the like ones the from three. CFOs. That's about it. The new guy who has it fucking blows ass. I'm sorry. Whoever the fuck. Ugh. It's not good. Or like Shawn Michaels with Sexy Boy, right? You know that's Shawn Michaels' banger. Can you believe that Jimmy Hart wrote those lyrics too? Like, that was all him. Can you imagine Jimmy Hart like, oh, You think I'm cute? You know I'm sexy. I got the look that drives the ladies wild. Have you ever um, heard the, the, the Sherry version of that? Because she sung yeah. it originally. Yeah, okay. she did. Yeah. What, what was also, I going to say, though? Just the Austin thing. I love that Austin said when he told Jim Johnson what he wanted his song to be, he was like, All right, well. I've been listening to a lot of Rage Against the Machine lately. Oh, I, I'm from Texas. I drink beer and I kick people's ass. And that was literally the parameters in which he took that. And he's like, "All right, well, I'll figure this shit out." <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if you if you had to pick a song for Stone Cold Steve Austin by a band from Texas, why would it not be "Walk" by Pantera? Because that's fucking a perfect fit. That would be my only. <laughs> That song makes me want to fight. Both of those songs make me want to fight. So thank you, Jim Johnston, for providing us with great, great music. And hopefully, maybe Impact or AEW calls you up and is like, hey, could you do this, this, and this? Because that would be cool. That would be really cool. Um, but yeah, do you think that's the episode? I think so. But shh, for all the listeners out there, I might throw that Stone Cold theme song at the end. Just shh, don't tell anyone. Yeah, do that. Just, Just don't tell anyone. Especially WWE, but Austin's got the best fucking theme music in the world. So, you know, start off with Okada, go out with Austin. Whoever does New Japan stuff, they know what they're doing. They're very similar, similar concepts for all of them, but they're all great. Yes. Well, we've edited the uh, Okada one enough that we don't have to worry. I think I can, I can vanilla ice that situation. All right. So I'm. <laughs> this this next clip over and over in the background. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Just in the background of it, and we won't get in trouble. Yeah, exactly, dude. <laughs> All right, well, you guys, I hope you guys enjoyed a long, wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We love doing the show for you. Uh, we talked about a lot of stuff. We got a lot of stuff coming up in the world of wrestling. So tune back next week. We usually record this show on Saturdays and have it out probably the next day afterwards, usually. And, uh, yeah, we just wrap up wrestling for all the new listeners that are listening to us. Thank you. Keep on checking out for all of our old listeners. Thank you guys for your time. We enjoy doing the show for you. Uh, I want to thank my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Say goodbye to all the lovely people out there. Thank you so much for listening. If I offended anyone, uh, make sure you tell me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. If you want to reach me on Facebook, Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook. Instagram, Chris.R.Patton. Uh, and, you know, just to send it out with a positive note, Dane, I have a cold beer. Cold beer is good. Oh, that is good, man. I love that. Cold beer and life. And Mortal Kombat, the new movie, sucked. And the 1995 one's way better. Anyway, so Ooh, you, guys, wow. you guys have a good, good time in your life, whatever you're doing. Wrestling Geeks Alliance, search it on Google or any of your downloadable platforms from iTunes to Stitcher, Spotify to whatever. If you search Wrestling Geeks Alliance, you'll find it. I also do another show called Dane Rants. I've had Chris on before, whole slew of co-hosts like uh, my buddy Nick Smith and my brother, Luke Alves. So definitely check that out. Dane Alves 42, 
and Dana Alves. Uh, well, Dana Alves 42 on Twitter and Dana Alves on Facebook. Hope you guys have a good one. Love you. Love you lots. Have a good day and peace out. Let the Geek Fives be with you guys.